0: Is a production of Dirty Mo Media. The Dell Junior Download. Hey everybody, it's Dell Junior back again for another episode of the Dell Junior Download. With me, as usual, is Mike Davis, my co-host. How you doing, Mike? Doing great, buddy. Leah is in the house. Jason is here, and uh, we've got part two of Andy Petrie coming up. Part one. one, yeah, part one was amazing a lot of a great story Yeah, you know we don't plan to split these into two right they just sometimes we get going and the guy's having a great time having a great conversation in the chair and uh, we go really long and the stuff's good enough that we just can't fit it into one and we
1: don't want to cut it out no. I mean, it feels like it's stuff that people need to hear and so we're going to make it two-parter
0: absolutely so this episode of the download part two of Andy Petrie uh, but first uh, let's go to open topic man we got a lot to discuss I guess I'm scarred, permanently scarred because of how the how I turned into the big pool room basher Oh, gotcha. when I wasn't. Uh-oh. What happened? Oh, well, you bought, you were a bit of a part of the swaying no, I, public I remember opinion. That.
1: I re- well, hold on.
0: If we're going to talk about yeah. Dawsonville, I want to br- have that come up. Hopefully you're recording now. We're recording. <laughs> Are you ready? You want to just dive right into this? Yeah, okay. I do. because so, I'm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> don't be, why are you nervous? I don't know. Did they did they give you a hard time? No. Okay. All right. So, I go to Dawsonville to interview Chase Elliott for for a documentary that's being made about him. You know, I, I go and and I go to the pool room. I told we get there. I told Chase. I talked. To, we'll talk about everything that happened uh, in a minute. But I but I told Chase. I said I want to go to the pool room and I want to get a burger. He wasn't wanting to eat there, so we didn't eat there, but um, I'll get a burger another time. The owner was in there, and the employees, Every as soon as I walked in, everybody was nice, had a smile on their face. They weren't like, oh, here comes Dale <laughs> Jr. And I had a great experience. I shared that I went. I shared on social media that I went there, and people said, a lot of people said, I'm surprised they let you in. I'm surprised they didn't throw you out. I'm surprised how, how, oh, even after the digs.
2: That oh, you good, gave
0: that them, is. right? I mean, I'm thinking, wow, what did I say that left this impression that I that I didn't like Dawson. Georgia, <laughs> Dawsonville, the Elliots, the pool room, and anything else uh, involved and connected to them? Well, I remember we were at this table, <laughs> and I was asking Chase Elliott. All right, so Chase gets a job racing here, wins Xfinity Series championship, gets a job at Hendrick Motorsports. He is now a career race car driver for NASCAR. And the hub or most of the most of the people that work in NASCAR live around this area. The shops are up here. Hendrick's up here. I just assumed that Chase would probably end up moving here to, at a convenience. Not because it's better. And he did try that. He I mean, did. He got an apartment and it, it, he was like, nope, not for me. I got a pilot's license. It's just as simple as me to fly up to the meetings and all the things, so I'm going to live where I live. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know, hey, that is a unique choice that I didn't see coming. I thought you would end up here. Why did you want to stay there? What is it about that area, right? Tell me. And immediately you mm-hmm. helped. I did. The conversation steer toward, oh, you're bashing them. You don't <laughs> like old Georgia. Yeah, okay, right. what, what's wrong with George Dill? And now, yeah, so everybody thinks that I was – bashing on the pool room and all the other things. No, it is something that I have heard about my entire life. It was a bucket list, check-a-box kind of thing to go there. Uh, I still haven't had the burger. It looks like a great place to hang out. Okay, so when
1: you say that, I'm starting to recall all that conversation. I remember I didn't gaslight the conversation. I didn't gaslight this uh, stigma that you're bashing, but I did <laughs> I did add a little amusing Fuel starter for it. I just was just kind of sprinkling a little fuel starter just to kind of get the little kindling going. And hey, I, I, I guess I couldn't control the brush
0: fire that yeah. happened afterwards. But of course, who can on Twitter, right? right? So who can. Yeah. So that, that, I'm glad that I got to go. Everybody there was really super cool. I didn't expect anything else. Chase made the comment where in the car he said, man, this place hasn't changed in. 30, 40 years, they built, uh, they sort of built at a big four-way intersection, they kind of built out or built up uh, a lot of newer shops and, you know, the the Targets and the Walmarts and the Honey Baked Ham and all the all the chain restaurants and stores are kind of like 10 minutes down the road at this big intersection. And he's like, since that happened, nothing really happened in town as far as growth. Everything's happening over here on on this highway. And I was like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't want anything to change around here mm. in, in this, on this, you know, in the town limits of the city limits or whatever of Dawsonville, that little two or three, four block space. I was like, I wouldn't want this to change. It's like going, you know, this is like, why would you want this to change? It's so, it's so, uh, it's Americana, right? You know what yeah. I mean? It's old school and it has this great, real nostalgic feel to it.
1: So much so that it beats the convenience of being here. Does it make more sense to you now that you've been there to watch so want to stay?
0: He. It's where he grew up, and he just loves—he loves it, like you, like you love your hometown, like you love your home team. Like he feels connected to it, he feels supported by it. Um, he talked about when he run, he drove his car through town after he won the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought a show car mm-hmm. in, and they said, "All right, man, we want you to take get in a show car and drive into town." And he's like, he had no idea what to expect, and he said the turnout. Floored him, blew him, blew him You know And so that and the, How they embrace him uh, He wants to be He wants to be close to that He's There's some loyalty I think And he wants to be close To his mother And his dad He wants to have that Physical connection to them Physical closeness to them He lives just across The way from them Not too far away In a very modest home that, That's got some family connection He's super into uh, Family It's not about You know the big glorious house on the lake or, or every, even his father's home is quite modest, to is be it? honest with you. Yeah, and it has some some family connection. You know, they're mm. not... You know, Bill probably went through that phase in his life where he was building a new home and, and you know, thousands of square feet and all the things and a big pool in the backyard and all that, and they kind of are quite sensible in how they, how they live, and uh, he likes to keep it that way. And I think... Man, it's beautiful country—South Carolina, North Carolina. I mean, t- Tennessee. All those areas. There's you know, so much beauty in the countryside of this part of the country. You know, I don't, I don't really travel west or north too often. I'm sure it's just as good up there. I don't want to offend anybody. And please, Mike, Boy, don't, don't steer us in that direction. Why,
1: why are you banging on the west coast? <laughs> please don't do that. Why? Are you doing, what's wrong so, with them?
0: But anyhow, it, it, it was really impressive. I really loved it. I, I, I see why he wants to be there.
1: I got you. No, wait a second, though. Can I ask another question? Mm-hmm. And don't get mad at me for asking this. So did the twi- Did the Twitter backlash affect you? Did did you? Did, were you upset about it? Because you-
0: I wasn't upset about it. I just think I did It was un. Uh, it didn't have to happen because it wasn't. I wasn't never. Well, we were t- obviously t- kidding the whole time. I don't know. Maybe everybody on Twitter's kidding.
1: So my point is, is that you are the one that preaches to me, and it's always helpful for me. Like you say, quit, quit reading what people say to you on Twitter. You're the one that's that, that walks me off that ledge. I know.
0: Yeah, I, I'm. I guess I need to. I guess I need to be reminded myself not to. Don't worry about them. Not to worry about it. So right. Much. Well, let's do that for each other. Right. Okay. Screw them. <laughs>
1: Screw those Twitter people. Oh, now he's on my <laughs> side. Oh Lord. Now he's back on my side. <laughs>
0: all right. Let's take a pause real quick. The Wood Brothers are. Uh, well, the Wood Brothers got a helmet that they're taking around uh, to get all the Hall of Famers to sign. And a uh, guy out there has a helmet if he can bring it in. And uh, so I guess this is for the Wood Brothers to for, and I'm the only one left to sign it. Me and Red Farmer. So I'm going to sign this helmet. Live all on, right, the show.
1: Live on the show. <laughs> hey guys,
0: narrate his autograph of signing.
1: Dell Jr. takes the pen. A lot of Hall of Famers. That I guess. is awesome. I think we're glossing past the fact that the coolness of the fact that Dell Jr. just got to say, you know, all the Hall of Famers are signing a helmet, and so and he needs to sign this he helmet. I mean, just just the it. sound of that's yeah. kind of
0: neat, right? So. This morning I had to go uh, find a shower that worked because my house is having some water issues. My water uh, a water pipe busted in the mas- master bed bathroom. Mm-mm. I got water coming out of the cans lights up up in the ceiling, <gasps> and uh, but we're getting it fixed. It's gonna be expensive. He um, ain't lying. No, me oh, and Sunny. Oh, funny thing. So I've uh, got some corrosion in my water system. It's about. 14, 15 years old. We work real hard, and we're on a schedule to make sure we're putting everything in the system to make sure that this doesn't happen. (laughs) It's a long story, and there's a lot more to it. Anyhow, we're upstairs. Called a plumber yesterday to come figure out, all right, where's our leak at? Find my leak. He goes up there and uh, finds a leak, and he finds a bunch of other problems. And so he's like, we need to fix all this stuff if you want this to be right. And I said, I want it to be right. I don't want any problems. Mm Mm-hmm. So he leaves and uh, he's going to start this morning. Well, last night, um, my property manager, Sonny, uh, he's at his house just up the street, and uh, I still got water leaking out of the ceiling. So I called Sonny. I said, Man, I, you know, the guy came and he didn't fix anything. He said he's going to start in the morning. He he didn't seem too worried about us using the water, but it's still leaking out of the ceiling. It just ain't right. And he goes, No, nah, we got to go up there and check it out. I said, Yeah, let's go up there and get curious. So we dug around in the attic, found the elbow that's that's corroded and busted. Uh, it's just drip, 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 drip. That kind of a flow. And uh, we're going to turn the water off. All right. So he, re- Sonny reaches over at the uh, underneath one of the water heaters upstairs in the attic and starts to try to turn a valve to shut the water off coming out of that heater. And the valve broke. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now we got full pressure water coming, oh, wow. coming into the attic. Oh, and so no. Sonny's holding his hand over this this space right they keep the water from plow, going everywhere And he's like oh, oh we got big problems we got big problems and Sonny never says that so I'm getting nervous and then I'm like well what do you want what do you want to do and he goes you got to go downstairs shut, shut the water off the house so we should have did that from the start but anyways I run downstairs shut off the water turn on all the faucets so to pump the water out of the house mm-hmm. and uh, go back upstairs and Sonny's like yeah we probably need to do what the guy said and replace all this stuff because it's all mm-hmm. corroded from the inside out so I had to go downstairs to the to a guest house that i got on the property to take a shower this morning and uh it took me a while to f- get some hot water going down there because we never use it but yeah so has been one of the mornings two days i think we're going to be without water for a couple days and and uh, hopefully it'll get tuned up and yeah, it's pretty stressful
1: yeah that ain't no lie man water damage or or any of that stuff that's yeah. not
0: cheap it's crazy man i, I was we du- we got a i got a ton of insulation upstairs in my in my attic and um cuz I had a lot of condensation issues in my bedroom and we worked really hard to figure out why that was happening and and uh we ended up fixing it with a couple putting in a couple returns and uh caulk sealing not caulking sorry sealing up the baseboards we had somebody come in and vacuum the house put a vacuum on it and uh sealed up the, all the baseboards so we'd stop we had a little some heat loss we had some air conditioning seep through the baseboards all this is kind of boring but
1: well, no, I mean, uh, this is where you go. tell. Listen, if I had those problems,
0: I'm bringing it to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little stressed out Never today. To yeah. NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Canals with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display. On Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at nascarhall.com. I posted some pictures on social media. I'm also really sore, Mike, all over, head to toe, sore. What'd you do? All right.
1: Other than crawling through your ceiling.
0: I've been working on my, the Nova wagon. So I got this Nova wagon, right? 66 Nova wagon. I bought it from a friend of mine. He didn't tell me it was uh, rusted out badly, right? Mm-hmm. It's got some bad rust. Big, big rust problems. He didn't tell me that, but I am uh, stubborn. When I bought it, I dug into the car a little bit, saw the problems that I've got with rust that are pretty severe, and stayed stubborn, and I'm headlong into trying to figure out whether I can turn this car around and fix it. I spent this past two or three days basically stripping the car apart taking the doors off, the front fenders. Now, on a, on a 66 Chevy Nova, the front clip bolts on. The whole front of the car bolts on.
1: All right, I'm going to Google it because I want to see a visual. Well, here. look, I'll All send you, send you some, some pictures. Okay, because I want to see the Nova Well, the people
0: listening can't listen. Can't, That's true. Paint the picture for them. Paint the picture them. for us. Here's a picture of the front clip that I took off by myself now. Nobody's helping me. So you unbolt the whole front end, and it just comes off in one piece. How about that, huh? It's kind of like going. I guess it's like the new gen, uh, right? Right. Next gen. The, next gen, the next car. gen car. You just yeah. take the front clip Bolt, off. Unbolt it. Yep. I uh, pulled the motor myself. Pulled the drive shaft. Pulled the rear housing. Pulled all the rear suspension off of it. Pulled all the interior out of it. Took the dash out of it. I've almost got this thing down to to time to sandblast. So we're going to take it. I'm going to take it and get the cab sandblasted, and then uh, try to fix all the rust issues. There's rust everywhere. There's a, It's
1: a little rusty. When did oh, you yeah. buy
0: this? I bought it about three years ago from a buddy of mine. All right.
1: So it's it's been a project that you've been just, it's been waiting on you. Yeah. I hadn't
0: been able to work on it. I want to make it a, I want to take it and, and turn it into, I won't, it's not going to be high end. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it perfect. I'm going to fix the rust. I'm going to rhino line like bed liner. Yeah. The interior and the bottom, a whole cab, except for the exterior paint. I'm going to bedline the interior so that, you know, it won't rust anymore. Because this is going to be, I'm going to take this car to a sea, beach, sandy environment. I got you. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to make it tough.
1: Get a beach ready. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's just going to run. I'm going to make sure it runs and doesn't look awful. Right, right, right. That's
1: cool. So you're not bringing in the Robert G's on this Nova. You're not bringing Definitely. in all these other people. This is this is a, this is a, a family vehicle yeah. that you take to the beach. I, I like
0: sh- it. Yeah, but I shared some photos on social media over the weekend about doing some work on that. It was a lot of fun, and uh, but I man, I, I'm, I'm I'm beat up.
1: It, yeah, it, 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 things start to hurt a little bit yeah. more in, in these years. What year is that? Sixty six.
0: Last week I went to uh, we we um, went to interview Chase Elliott in. Dawsonville, I went up to Nazareth, Pennsylvania, to interview Marco Andretti, doing a little work for NBC. I'm, sorry, which, I, I'm just looking at those these. Those are w- cool, huh? Those are cool-looking yeah. wagons there. There's going to be a great little family grocery getter. Yeah, that's neat. For the vacation
1: home. Yeah, Marco Andretti.
0: Yeah, I went to, uh, well, we talked about, uh, I went to Dawsonville to interview Chase Elliott, tons of fun, and uh, got, I think we, you know, from what I, from what everybody said that was there, we got great content, um, documentary coming out for, for Chase in the near future. I got to see the Bill Elliott complex. This, you know, I, he built his. <laughs> I don't know where to start. So I got to see the shop and the space where they ran their race team out of all those years. They built them powerhouse motors. Yeah. Ernie Elliott. Yeah. In the 80s that set it, you know, set on a pole at Talladega and set the record for 214 mile an hour and qualifying and all that. So I got to see where all that happened, which was really cool. Check the box, uh, bucket list item kind of thing. Bill and. Chase both are heavy into aviation. Bill's always right. been a part of that, and that's been a part of his life, I guess. And he built his own airstrip, runway, airport right behind the shop. It's pretty cool. Is it? I was just yeah. saying, what is that like? It's pretty cool. It's it's yeah. a throwback because he built it a while back, but they you know they still use it. He he has other people that that use the use the space and land planes there and fly out of there, and. I was just really, uh, it was just really cool to walk through the shop and see some of the. Th- I saw Bill. He was in there working. Bill works every day over there. Oh, really? Yeah. I was surprised. You know, you think he'd be hanging out, shaking it easy, cruising on through the rest of his life, but he can't stop working, hustling, grinding. He was dirty, work shirt. Just like we would want Bill Elliott yeah. to be. I it mean was that, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did and you talk to him much? Yeah, a little bit. I interviewed Bill. Okay. Yep. And Cindy. It was a fun conversation. Uh, they let us into their house and uh, did the interview there, and and Chase took me out on a boat, Lake Lanier, beautiful lake. Yeah, it is nice. Um, we had uh, we had a great conversation, a lot of fun. So Chase was Chase was great uh, to to spend the day with us. He doesn't have that much time to be devoting to things like that, but he gave us a lot of time. Uh, the next day, we went to Nazareth, Pennsylvania, to interview Marco Andretti. I've always wanted to talk to Marco. Me and him have similar lives as far as our fathers and grandfathers and 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 their their racing history. Marco just is a really just seems like a really super nice, easygoing guy. He's reached out to me uh, and we've had conversations over social media and through text and so forth over the last several years, but we've never spent time personally together in the same space. So he invited me to his house. Uh, Sit down in his living room and interviewed him, asked him all the questions that I wanted to ask him about, you know, growing up in in, in that family and what that must have been like for him and how how that how that worked out and where he is today. Uh, he's not running full time Indy anymore, but he's preparing for the Indy 500. And uh, is this going to be on the Indy
1: 500 pre
0: race? I think it will be in the pre race of the Indy 500. But there's some other Evergreen stuff they'll yeah. put out on social media that'll that'll work anytime, any day. But he was gracious, man. He was he 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 showed me his entire house. Like we weren't there to tour his house, but he took me around and, and showed me everything that he's got going on there. And what was it like? What's what's his house like? His the house that he lives in is um, a family home that he grew up in. His dad's uh, in Indianapolis now, and uh, but he's he he's kind of taken over that house, and it's really got some nostalgic appeal to it. Some Some 90s sort of architecture and stuff that's still there that I like. I For some reason, I'm super nostalgic now and kind of into old houses. And and I even follow a couple accounts on Instagram about old houses. Uh, (laughs) I know, it's weird. Um, I don't know why, but I just love the nostalgia and decor of of some of the stuff that was going on in the 90s and the 80s. And the fact that some people still keep it pristine and, and some houses still look that way is pretty interesting. There's some parts of his home that are that are definitely like that. I don't want to go into detail, but uh, too much detail because it's his home, it's his private home. residence. But, but it but, sounds like it's modest. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice and what you might expect from from '90s Michael Andretti, right?
1: My, right. So this would be in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. You may have said that already, yeah. but. I, um,
0: He he, he's very close to his grandfather physically. Uh, They live near each other, uh, so he you know they get to spend time together, Mario. So that's pretty cool, Mario just hanging out in Nazareth, man, just doing Mario. That that's cool. Yeah, he's he's the man.
1: One day it's Bill Elliott hanging out just I know. know, Getting the next day it's Mario. I mean,
0: are you kidding? What a week! I had an awesome week. Um, (laughs) Just
1: freaking racing legends.
0: Yeah. Is fun. It's fun, so right. But we're getting ready. We're cr- the, the the fact that uh, we're going and doing these things gives me the feeling that we're cranking up and getting ready to in, our NBC job and requirements, responsibilities, and and things are starting to ramp up. Meaning that you know it won't be long. When we'll be going back to the racetrack. You ready? And doing some booth work. Uh, our first race is the Nashville Super Speedway. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Me and me and the guys, my booth mates, Rick and Steve and Jeff Burton, uh, are already starting to get together and have lunches and, and we're going to sit down and watch a couple races that we did last year and, and, uh, you know, just figure out if there's anything we, we want to change or, or it's also good just to kind of recall about what your job is and what you're trying to accomplish in the booth. So. We'll be ready, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Try to take a little bit of time off uh, in June and get with the get with the family a little bit before we get get to working too hard.
1: Yeah, once the season starts, you're off and running, man. The schedule just uh, amplifies. Yeah. I will say this, and we can end on this. I, I just want to remind everybody that since we're talking about NBC and all the stuff that's got me thinking that Lost Speedway's – don't forget, it's coming out, man. We are uh, in the final weeks of uh, delivering that project. I don't want to so, get too deep in that, but we've yeah. we, we're feeling good about it.
0: Yeah. So, Lost Speedway season two is coming out very soon. We, you know, the what I've learned from people when they when they saw this show the first time is a lot of people thought, man, you know, you. I guess they assumed we picked the best eight tracks to feature last year. And that wasn't really the case. I mean, we just picked the tracks that made the most sense to to get to, considering the pandemic and all the things that was going on. And the track, I think the tracks that we have for this season are as big, or maybe bigger in some cases, um, recognizable names and so forth. But also the stories got better somehow. There, you know, I have to tell you, like, there's enough racetracks out there to do hundred seasons of lost speedways and there's enough stories out there to certainly do many, many more seasons of lost speedways. We just have to find the stories. You got to get out there and, and literally look uh, for what's happened at these racetracks and see if there's anything compelling. And when we find something compelling, a story, we put it on the, we put it on a whiteboard and say, here's a track with a great story. We did that. about it, I don't know, maybe 10 months, eight, uh, 10 months ago, a year ago, it seems like for season two we put a bunch of tracks on a whiteboard we narrowed them down uh we had a big list of tracks that we wanted to go to and uh we got some great great stuff we've i've seen some of the episodes uh that you guys are working on and almost finalized and it's i don't know i have i have a hard time not being honest and telling you it's better than last year yeah it is yeah and we've gotten better yeah our editing our shots uh, our storytelling, as a group, as a production group, is gotten way better. I think as we now know what this thing needs to be, what the vision of the project is. Last year, we were kind of learn- learning as we go. Right, our guys—you can feel the confidence in in our producer and director as as the show's being made uh, and being filmed, and we're working. And there's some great backstories on a lot of the shows uh, that we'll talk about, and, and some extra content that we can put together for for uh, for the people when they see this episode, see this this season. There's a lot there's a lot that was going on in the background, but I've, I'm loving what we're seeing. Can't wait for people to, to be able to watch it, and and can't wait for that feedback to come. Yep, we had a really good year last year with season one, and a lot of great feedback, and I think we surprised a lot of people. Uh, with the product that we made, and I think this season's better. I
2: I really do.
3: I agree. So Look forward to that.
2: The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter.
3: You going to any concerts this summer, man?
2: I am. I'm seeing a concert in June, Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open i don't want to miss a thing
3: yeah you you know you got to act quick yeah and when you want the best you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead it's like if you're hiring for a business you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up mm. so what's the best way to do that ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast and right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com dale jr
2: ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Junior. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Junior. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
0: All right, guys, it's time for Andy Petrie, part two. All right, but first, let's get a recap of part one.
4: My uncle took me to Hickory Speedway when I was 11, 12 years old. And I got there, and I heard those cars running from the parking lot.
5: I'm like, "Holy cow!"
4: And I went running up that ramp. You know, that r- ramp in front, mm-hmm. just running. I didn't pay for ticket, nothing. I ran on top of that, and I looked down at those cars that were practicing. And I, was, I, mean, I knew right then that was it. I was done. I'm telling you, that, that nothing else in the world mattered. But <laughs> we get the car ready to go the first race, and I've got it sitting in this little, you know, garage we had in Newton. And Ned comes by. And he says, "All right," and it had it all kind of just sitting, making it look right. And you know, he said, "How much wedge you got in that thing?" And I'm like, "Holy cow! What is that? What is wedge?" Yeah, I, I mean, really. I <laughs> mean, I was 17 years. old. Sure. I'm like, I thought it meant how much tilt, you know, from left to right. I said, An "Inch and a half." He goes, "Perfect." <laughs> <laughs> we show up the track, we ain't got a clue. What you I mean, the crossways have sure. no idea, right? I really wanted to be in racing. I wanted to work on, you know, in a cup team. That's where I wanted to wind up. Mm-hmm. And he went out on a limb for me. He went out and talked to a good friend of his, Junior Johnson, and told Junior that I was this great tire changer. <laughs> right? I got, I got he Junior needed a rear tire changer, and so he put in this you know big push for me. Well, keep in mind I'd never changed a tire, and so Junior's jacket caution comes out. He goes four tire.
5: <laughs>
4: here he goes. I'm telling you, here we go. So we went out there and changed those tires. That feel feels great. I won my first. Race as a crew chief with Phil in cup in the Cup Series, yeah, at Talladega. So we got some good memories yeah. about that race. What what year? That was eighty eight.
1: Yeah. What about that race? Right? How did he win that? Like to, to go? His <laughs> car a, was go go back. He had the fastest yeah. car, right? Yeah. He did. No, I know, but what, what was in that car? <laughs> okay, statute of limitations hadn't run
4: out on that. One no, yet. it's run out. No, yeah. I don't think so. We had a few tricks back then. back then. It was you know, it, it wasn't so much if you if you built a car by the rule book. Um, you want not know where they went. Oh yeah. So you, the, the way you raced is how you raced to the enforcement.
0: I still think we just try to pry out what was so good about that 1988 Talladega. Okay, car. good. Because yeah. all right, listen, <laughs> I let's go say, Let go. Listen, listen you? your, <laughs>
1: your, stat, your statute of limitations may not be up. Ours passed a long okay. time ago. Only you don't have her, to say. I can't
4: believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is. All right, let's, let's hear it. it. Okay, so we. We run the Daytona 500 in 88. I suspected they were sucking air under the restrictor plate. Back then there was.
0: Bobby won the Daytona 500 that year, I think. Uh, over, yeah, he David. sure did.
4: And yep. I was suspecting this. And so I went, told Leo Jackson. He's going to be really mad when he hears it.
0: <laughs> but I went and
4: talked to Leo about, you know, if we want to compete, then we got to do what they're doing. I said, we got to figure out a way. They're, they're finding a way to get air under around that restrictor plate. We have got to figure it out. So he got mad, went to work. Fixed a manifold. It's one of the most amazing pieces of art you've ever seen. I mean, it, it cut it in pieces, made it, put these holes in it. So we put that thing on there, and uh, and Leo did it right. I mean, it, and
1: it, it was worth a pretty good advantage. Yeah, and, uh, and we ended up winning. Give uh, us some context about Leo Jackson. You you've, you've mentioned his name several times. So, like, who was he, and what did he do? Okay, Leo Jackson was. You know, back in the
4: 70s, you know, Bob Presley drove and won all those races, a ton of races, and that red number four. That was that was Leo and Richard Jackson's car. That was? Oh, yeah. They built that. Um,
0: well, I didn't yeah. know that. I thought that that was their no, family that was Le- car.
4: No, no. That was Leo and Richard Jackson. I
0: got so many pictures of that car on and, my phone. And they
4: won over half the races all over the country. Yeah. I mean, crazy how they, how good they were. They were ahead of their time. And uh, so he, he ends up going cup racing with Dave Marcus a little bit. And I was working for Johnny Hayes, and he went, you know, with that 55 team. We're just kind of getting that thing off the ground with Benny, and he goes and gets Leo to come over, and kind of be the crew chief, and uh, and kind of abandon what he was doing with his, because he was going crazy trying to do his own cup deal. He said, "Yeah, I'll let somebody else pay for it. I'll go do that." And that ended up becoming Leo Jackson Motorsports a few years later with when Harry Gant came from from Travis Carter over to drive our car, and we still had the 33. So that's uh, Leo Jackson Motorsports, and we called it Skull Bandit Racing back then, and Mm -hmm. that was the team that I ended up buying after I won the titles with your dad and and, uh,
0: Harry Gant. So you talked about Harry setting up that car uh, in his shop, and so you've been around Harry for a while. How did you end up crew chiefing for him? Like, how does why did you move from Fields Deal? Like, how did all that happen?
4: Well, like I said, I, I worked on Benny's Cup team, and Leo Jackson was. You know, the crew chief, then the owner of that mm-hmm. car. And uh, and um when I, we won in 88, Leo was the owner. And then in ni- 89 is when we kind of split that up. But well, the 55 became Richard Jackson's team. And then we formed this new team that was, you know, Leo Jackson Motorsports in Asheville for Harry Gantt. And he, you know, he Leo had already made me the crew chief of the car that Phil was driving. But so he wanted to know if I'd move up there and build this team.
0: Let's transition. You have to leave. You have to tell Leo, Harry, and all them you're well, going to leave.
4: That was tough, man. How'd you, you do it? You catch on to the things that really matter. But I, I'll tell you, that was one of the toughest things I've ever done in my life because Leo Jackson was and is to this day uh, like a father to me. I mean, he is, I'm, uh, I, I don't have more respect for anybody on earth than him. I didn't really want to leave. You know, I wasn't looking to, to leave. But but Kirk Shelmerdine had retired. So here's the, you know, the premier crew chief job in the sport is available. I didn't go looking for it. You remember Terry Satchell? He was an engineer back uh, at GM that I used early on. I was one of the first ones in the garage to really embrace engineering, and I, and I had him working with me. And then he w- ended up kind of transitioned to all of the GM teams, working with everybody. And he was telling me, "You yeah, you need to go over there, and you know, I think you could help them a lot, man. I think you could. You need to go over there, you know, and get that job." I was, it's just, I, I mean, you know, we just won you know, we're winning races over here with Harry. Everything's going good, but Harry is fifty-two years old now. Yeah, I want to win a championship, and I know it's – you know. I actually tried to get Leo to hire Jeff Gordon, mm. and he wouldn't do it. And so i kind of had a dead end on that. Jeff was just driving in the Bush series, and then uh, so I, this happens that that uh, Terry Satchel says something to Richard, and then Richard ends up calling me one day. I'm like, okay, man, I guess I got to go. I, I just got to go see. Yeah, you know. So I take my my two boys; they were young at the time, and my wife, and we go drive down there on Sunday. This is after the season's over in '92, and uh, and I go and pull up in in the parking lot, and there's two cars in the lot, and so I walk into the what's now the museum, but that was the main shop, and I walk over into Richard's office, and uh, and there sits Richard and your dad. He shows up on a Sunday
5: mm-hmm.
4: to meet me, and that right there is like that meant a lot, right? It, you know, the best driver in the sport wants me to come there, and he, enough to show up on Sunday. Yeah. So we, you know, we sat there and we talked and talked and talked about it. And by the time, you know, I left the room, I decided to take it. And uh, so mm-hmm. – I, but I, I said, I really do need to talk to my family about it before I make the final decision, but I'll let Feeling you know. Feeling good about it. So I get out – you'll love this. I get out the car and start talking to the kids, and we're driving a little bit. I said, I just, you know, I just make sure that we're making the right decision here. I said, what do you guys – what do you all really want me to do? And <laughs> my son, Joey, says, I don't care as long as it's Earnhardt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he that's wanted pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what he wanted. What was their best recruiting pitch? They were all about winning the championship. I mean that that's all that team was geared towards. They didn't talk about winning races as much as a championship It came up I mean multiple, multiple times. And uh
5: that's, that's that was my word, goal. Oh it was hundred percent
4: yeah. because that's what I wanted. That was on my list. I really wanted to win and I knew it was my best chance, right? And right. so this is really cool, Sue. So how much do you need to make? Sitting around this round table in Richard's office. And I, at the time, I think I was making 70, 65, 70,000 a year working for Man. him. Man. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, but Leo knew we'd been winning races, and he knew that he was going to pay me more to keep me because, and so he said, I, I will probably be able to make about 100,000 or something, you know, the next year. So I kind of throw that number out there. <laughs> and they go, Oh, yeah, we can. And I saw them look at each other, and they go, and I "Say, Oh, yeah, we can do that. And I'm like, Dang it, I shot too much. Should, should, <laughs> should have asked for more. And so I, I recovered real well, though I said. But if we win the championship, it's going to be double. <laughs> and they like, <laughs> choked a minute. I said, "That's what we've been talking about, right? Is winning the championship." So it worked out. That First two years, like a good <laughs> deal. Yeah, yeah, it did.
0: So you go back to to your shop. Um, how do you tell all those guys? There? Okay, I mean, so that was the tough part.
4: Yeah. So you know, go talk to Leo. He somewhat understood, but he was really disappointed, man. Because yeah. I, I basically ran the whole company. Right. You know, I was. He didn't even to make budget decisions. You know, if we could afford it, you know, I made the decision on what we could buy, what we could do. I mean, it was, you know, so it was going to change the way that whole team was operated, and but I, I just couldn't. I had to go. You know, and and it hurt me. I mean, it hurt bad. I mean, it was painful yeah. to do that. Even <laughs> Harry. T- it was just a year or two ago. Harry tells me talked to him on the phone and he said you know it really hurt me when you live and I said really Damn. I said you know I and I was like hey I didn't he said I would have paid I would have paid you I would have paid the difference myself to keep sure. you
1: did they try to keep you or did they know that this was too good of an opportunity for I think
4: they knew there. that it was already decided I, I don't I don't remember us talking about it
0: big difference in performance for that team after the fact um, and it wasn't but a couple more years you Harry. Retired. He retired in, I think, 94. 95, I think, 90, was his last year. I no, think. 94, 94 was the last year. Yeah, Yeah. so a couple of so, years. Yeah. So your instincts were, were right about, you know, his career and how much more he had left in the tank. But do you think about, like, what might have happened if you would stayed? It,
4: I, 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 no, I don't, I don't have any regrets. Yeah. I never really look back on it because I, I, I just don't think that we – I know we couldn't have won it. We couldn't have competed against Earnhardt in, back in, in that time with, with what we had.
0: So you go to RCR. One thing that I remember – is this is jumping ahead of the head of it a little bit, but I remember winning the championship and or Dad winning the championship, y'all winning the championship, mm-hmm. and being at the banquet. Yeah. And I don't think I'd spent much time around you because I think I was peddling with racing myself, so I wasn't really going yeah. as much anymore. But I remember yeah. seeing you and uh, at the banquet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, after the banquet, running upstairs somewhere where was he going after. Well, you don't somewhere? know
4: this part, but uh, so we stayed actually. The, the presidential suite at the Waldorf Astoria is like a big, I mean, apartment. I mean, yeah. got to be two, 3,000 square feet, multiple bedrooms. And so, you know, Dale, he convinces me and Patty to come up there. Come on up here, y'all. Come up early. Come, y'all stay with us in our room for, you, you know, this is earlier in the week. So we can stay at the presidential suite with them, which is kind of cool. And we did. For we, sure. But then we had to move out because. Junior was coming up.
0: Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh,
5: yes. Uh, Move me, me out. Kelly
1: too. Move me out.
0: Kelly too. Not
5: just
1: me. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh it yeah.
4: Okay. It's the nice kit. to
0: know that I didn't get shoved in some room and uh down yeah, you the hall. Were, you were piddling around with
4: late models, I guess, back then. Yeah. And it might have been one of those, it's right in that time frame. I would run a, a late model race or two. Yeah. You know, when we'd have an off weekend. You did. I'd show up at Hickory Lake. I think it's the only time we ever raced against each other. Mm-hmm. Was at a, a either? I think it was a hundred lap or two hundred lap at Hickory on a Sunday afternoon, and um, oh yeah, oh yeah. And so this is you'll like this, Mike. So I sit on the pole and finished second. I me and Pete Silver had like identical cars and 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 ran for the lead the whole race, and he ended up beating me a little bit, but we lapped him. And so he and don't, so you hadn't been running Hickory long, Mm-mm. like you've been running other places, and so. I remember seeing him later, he says, he wanted a rematch. When are you coming back up there? <laughs> he wanted a rematch. <laughs> He's like, didn't I laugh you? <laughs> yeah. No, but he, he, he'd he gotten good and started winning.
1: So. Oh, so he wanted a rematch. now he wanted a rematch. Right? No, the, yeah, yeah, for sure. For
4: you got sure. late
0: models now, right? Yes. We won the national yeah. championship last year. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. But,
4: yeah. Hey, you got two of them? Yeah.
0: We got three uh-uh. cars. <laughs> oh, I see <laughs> where I mean, you're going I see where you're going with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, uh, if you go back – all right, so when you go to – RCR, mm-hmm. uh, what is the culture change okay, so from what you're used to? Larry McReynolds it, it, talked about this as his experience, so I was wonder- wondering wondering mm-hmm. what your experience was.
4: So i walk in the building, and, you know, you've got banners hanging all over the walls. I look at in your shop. I'm trying to find your winning banner. I don't know where you're hanging them, but, uh, Hi, but, but well, the well, championship well, banners are, are hanging. <laughs> yeah, they're there. I see them now. <laughs> but they have these, you know, all over the building, and it's like walking into the Boston Garden or something, you know. <laughs> it's over it's a little bit overwhelming and now you've got you know Will Lynn, David Smith you know all these guys that Flying Aces. Have been there for years and years and years and i'm coming in there by myself i'm not bringing any of my people i'm coming in to lead these guys and they are looking at me like i don't know who this guy is you know they they're not they're re- kind of reluctant to to really move in the direction that i want to move when i get there and but there's a lot of things that need to be happening there there are things that they had really got behind on like what uh, everything. I mean, just the way the cars were built and packaged, and how heavy they were. Heavy! Oh, God, holy they heavy. smokes!
0: They were super heavy, man. Dude, you look at Dad's cars and <laughs> hey, hey d- you know you don't know
4: how good. He, <laughs> so you'll love this part. <laughs> Terry, Terry Satchel, the guy I told yeah. you about, that helped me, you know, get the interview yeah. with Richard. He comes in a few weeks later after I'd been there, maybe two or three weeks. He comes walking in with a clipboard. He says, "Well, what do you think?" And I was like, "Ooh." Kinda of rub my head, thinking, "What am I gonna say here?" He says, "He says, 'Some guns good,
2: didn't he?'
4: That explains everything. I could, I could, I couldn't explain
1: it any better. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. What were you about to say about when you said reaction to that?
0: Uh, well, they, the, they, they put them, they any kind of mount, right? Whether it's a hood pin, quarter inch, that ain't falling <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he ain't gonna not, he ain't gonna bend that. So that, so
4: that's what I'm fighting there." <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended up fixing a few of the cars just, you know, as much as, much as I could work on change or whatever the existing fleet because it was just a few weeks before we do the first race. We do, and, you know, we get all these, you know, cars kind of as good as we can get them. We go and run pretty good. You know, we, we almost won the Daytona 500, won the, won the Busch Clash, won the qualifying race. He wins the XFINITY race, and we come within just a little of 500. Dale Jarrett beats us. So it starts out pretty good. And then we go to Rockingham. I tell you, this is a funny thing, too. You'll get a kick out of this. So the whole week at Daytona, he's, I'm trying to get in his, his lingo. You know, you're trying to learn each other. And he just keeps saying, the car's neutral. Says, this it's neutral. It's neutral. I'm like, okay. So it you know, must be pretty good. You know, So I don't really adjust on it much. Well, then we get to Rockingham. And you're standing on the truck. You can see the cars, right? You can kind of see them. He comes through three and four, and I'm watching it. And he comes in. He says, I said, how's the car? He said, said it's pretty neutral. And I'm like, all right, man. Dang, that thing looked loose to me, but <laughs> all right. So he goes back out there again and that thing's sliding through. I mean, it's the light smoking right rear, and finally comes out. I said, Damn. I said, What's that car? He said, That thing looks really loose. He said, I told you it was neutral. <laughs> what is and I'm that? like, Neutral means loose. <laughs> <laughs> That's what
0: he meant. I mean,
4: you knew.
0: I did not know
4: that. Yeah, right. No, what no. he
0: what he th- finally I got <laughs> his
4: head a little bit. What neutral meant was like he has no no, did not turn the wheel. Ah. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he meant. So Unreal. Neutral to me was not tight, not loose. Nothing, yeah. Of course. Good. So I said, okay, now we're on the same page. So <laughs> we tied you. him up. You know, we you know, ended up finishing good there, too. But
0: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I told, that's hilarious. I told you it was neutral. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's something that's – like, dad, you, know, you would think that dad was uh, – dad being as good as he was, he was, he was everything a race car driver is, but better, but he wouldn't have, like – Backward terminology, or, or like it was I'd, just something
4: he'd been used to saying. I'm sure Kirk Shelmerdine understood it well, but I did, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah but who else uses the word "neutral", neutral we, to describe <laughs> a loose <race> car No <laughs> one, like he nobody did. does that.
1: <laughs> right. Okay, so how was the relationship? Like, it's not been, good. It's not good. We're but, with, we're butting heads with man. Earnhardt.
4: Yeah, we Ooh, are. Okay. We're we're really we were a lot alike, and you know, I was pretty headstrong on what I wanted to do, and and he. He was really headstrong and and kind of he was a real dominant figure. You can imagine and and it wasn't the way I was used to. You know, I was used to kind of steering this team the way I wanted it to
0: go and and he just wasn't. So t- let's step back to Harry again. Mm-hmm. So when I I worked with Gary Hargett, who worked with Harry, mm-hmm. and uh, I drove uh, Ed Whitaker's car, who worked with Harry. Yeah. And the th- the thing that I learned from both of those guys was that you know, and this is maybe an exaggeration, but You, you know, Harry was pretty indifferent about the balance of the car, per se. He would, if it was, if it get through the corner pretty good, he was good with it.
4: He just wanted to adjust to the car. I mean, he would, he
0: would, he would, would. he'd figure out a way. He'd figure out how to drive the car the way it run. He wasn't as quite as particular about, man. It's it's a too tight. You got to fix that too, right? Mm. He'd just run it. He'd be like, that's not too bad, right? Yep.
4: You worked with him. We were, yeah. We won Darlington in '91. We got to Richmond. And fighting, fighting, fighting. He you know, couldn't ever get the car really driving right. And finally he just said, Just put just lock, get the rear end locked in. I'll figure out how to make it turn. Wow. So he put two two hundreds or whatever it was in the back. He was really good about calling out what he wanted in the car. Yeah. If it, nine times out of ten, if you did that, it worked. So, and
0: we, so what's dad? Dad's more He didn't have a clue. If man. I could guess.
4: He, he didn't have a clue about what was he didn't care about what was in the car. Yeah. He's basically his saying was, You load the wagon, I'll drive it. Mm. Really? And so he didn't want to know any of that stuff. And so, But he
0: was pretty particular about, like, I heard that he was really headstrong about casters, caster. negative caster, caster in the yes. left front, things so, like that.
4: So we go to Daytona, the very first race, and we, the setup that they had, I'm like, God darn, that's got like a degree and a half negative caster in the left front. I've never heard of that. And I'm looking, I'm saying, is that right? And they said, that's what he likes. That's what he likes. So, you know, I said, well, that's the first thing we're going to try. So we go to testing at Daytona, and, you know, I put the regular type caster in it that we've been running. he's like, nope, get it out of there, get it out what he wanted – it's funny because Harry, Harry was one of those guys that when he was, you know, when he was on the straightaway, he kind of wanted to let go of the wheel. So it didn't have any tug in it. And, and Dale was a different; he was opposite. He wanted to be in the corner and not do it. He didn't mind holding it back on the straightaway. He just wanted to be – where he wasn't having to put any input in the corner. So
0: it was just a feel thing, yeah. and it worked for him. I was mean, there really any did. drawback to running negative left front caster really. in the front? Not it was front, mm-hmm. even in It was common, more common, I guess, in the rear steer car. The reason
4: it ever even came about is because before power steering, you had to have that but to, to be around. able to turn. To The driver couldn't even stay in the car for 500 miles if you didn't have it because yeah. it, it basically kind of just led itself in the corner so you didn't have to tug yes. on the wheel.
0: But so – why are y'all butting heads if he's well, not being, hey, man, I want this spring? I know. I want you to change. I, I can't remember exactly what
4: it was. So a lot of it was on, like, pit calls and stuff. He was, like, trying to, you know, bull me around a little bit on, yeah. on pit calls and this and that, and, <laughs> you know. It, it, so Richard – I can't remember all the things, but Richard calls both of us in after about the fourth race. And he said, look, man, you guys got to get go on the same page. And, it was, you know, it was one of those come, yeah. come Jesus meetings with him.
0: And huh. uh, he, said, he told
4: Dale – Did Richard
0: have – Sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you, and you're uh, you're doing a great job. But did he, did Richard have that kind of control over Dad too? Oh like, yeah, like yeah. when they sit down in the room, Dad's uh, a l- dad's, a little
4: bit. He he had as much control over your Dad as your Dad would give him.
1: Right. But <laughs> so in other words,
4: none. Right. But but he knew your Dad was smart enough to know that this mattered. You know. Mm-hmm. And so what sure. he's trying to say is that if you guys cannot figure out a way to communicate, and and he what his term was bond. Y'all got to bond. And so, how'd you it, bond? Okay, this is, this is the way it works. So, we're sitting, me and, me and Dale are sitting beside each other, and then, you know, on the other end of Richard's desk. And he goes from, reaches over and grabs me, all right. He said, we're going to bond this weekend. We're going to Darlington. We're going to bond. He said, <laughs> the Rich, we got this, Richard. So, we, and so we, we walk outside. He says, we're going to dinner. Me and Tracy are going to be going to dinner on, on Saturday night or Friday night, whatever it was at Darlington. And, you know, I've got some guys I want you to go. You're going to sit right with me. We're going to bond. So, all right. <laughs> so I was like, this, is, this is not going to work. They, it it actually did, you know. It was we're at Darlington, and we at that t- at that time we had a a, a tire, a right side tire that was really, you know, marginal at best. It was, you know, you could fail it easily with too much camber and everything. So it was real delicate. And so I told Dale that we were going to go. I told him at that dinner it was on, I guess, a Friday night. So it was Saturday it was a practice session. I told him we're going to we're going to run that that tire until it fails because it gave you a good warning. And he's like, "What?" I said, "We're going to see how many laps we can go, and then we're going to keep." change in the car till we get extend it and try to extend it but and you so, need it to fail right we need to know where it was where, where the lap number was Ooh,
1: yeah that is a little but it, it
4: was risky but i had him on but he, he bought into it he didn't he's skeptical at first but you know so it, it gave pretty good warning it would give you a good little bit of warning before it failed and, you, and then you could see it you know where it was failing on the corner so he brings it in after 35 or 30 laps and Sure enough, it's, it's failed. So we take some camber out. We adjust the chassis a little bit for the balance, and we go back out and run another run. We extend it about five laps. And we do this, and we come through about three sets of tires until we really have changed the car quite a bit. And still pretty fast, but a lot better on the tires. Uh, we end up winning. Because mm. uh, yeah. we could go longer than anybody on tires. And I remember going up in, the, in Victory Lane, and I look at it, and he got a little grin. I said,
1: that's how you bond right there. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. That was our first win.
0: Yeah, yeah, Winning awesome.
1: fixes all yep. that stuff, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I, I'm curious, though. Like, if you uh, you go to dinner, did you guys plan to talk setups and stuff? And, I mean, I got not imagine. What, what is Teresa thinking at that time? Uh, she wasn't all that, yeah, a big fan of it, but. <laughs> because y'all was well, because they
4: big. Be. It was a group of people. There was a lot of friends or whatever. Oh, was there? It was so a big me and group. Dale were sitting there talking, about, and so I basically just wanted to tell him what my strategy was. Sure, I didn't tell him what we were actually going to be doing on the car, but this is. But he's like, oh, all right,
1: yeah, like, I'll try it. <laughs> That's impressive. It is. You know, I mean, I go back and I think Larry Mack was talking about how he had yeah. to. You had you had set the precedent. Yeah, uh, he came after me because he right? came Larry after did, you, yeah. and so he. A lot of the similarities of, you know, he's going from Yates to RCR, mm-hmm. and so the culture change oh, yeah. was so different. And he's like, you know, everybody was used to You know, Andy Petrie was one of the guys, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Shelmerdeen one of the guys. But it doesn't sound like that's the way it was, certainly at the beginning. No. But As a matter of fact, the beginning was so bad.
4: and I, The first car that I got to build that was mine, that I built, I mean, from the, from the ground up, we used a Hopkins chassis, but everything, I mean, every single system on the car was different. Everything. It was way lighter. It was... You know, it had a lot of innovative things in it. Um, and so we take it to – it was a, a road course car for Sonoma. And we didn't get to test it or anything. You know, you just got to load it in the car. And, I mean, I, that was like pushing a rope. Everything I wanted to do in that car, they were like, that's not going to work. That's not the way we do it, but this is the way we're going to do this one. It, every, everything. I mean, this went on for months, building that car.
1: This is your first car First car that's built,
4: that I built like I wanted. Right, got it. Okay, so we get to, to Sonoma <laughs> with this car that's radically different than anything that's ever come out of there. And I know my career's on the line, you know. So we get we, – were a little bit late getting through tech. I think there might have been a few little tech issues. But so we weren't on the track right <laughs> right when the practice started. And Richard was up on the truck clocking cars. And finally get it out on the track and, you know, go, you know goes out of sight. And you know how they come down through there and you kind of see them. And I've got to watch them clocking, you know, start before he goes into turn 11. Comes around there and I'm watching them go up there. Look, that looked pretty good, you know. And, and I look down at my watch. My hands are sitting there shaking. Because I think, you know, if this doesn't work, I'm out of yeah. here. And I mean not just out of RCR, I'm out of the sport probably. And so he comes around there and I click the for the first lap, I click it, and I was like, and then I realize I don't even know what a good time is. <laughs> you know, we look at <laughs> there once a year. Yeah. So I look over at Richard, I think I'm about in tears. I'm like, Is that is that good? <laughs> he goes, Oh yeah, 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 that's good. So we ended up sitting on the pole and um, for Sonoma. Yeah. And and then we should have won. We got banged up by some lap car the way it, it worked out on one of the cautions where people stayed out, and we were we led most of the race, but ended up finishing the top five or six. But yeah,
2: dot Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or the property. It's the location and neighborhood, Dalton. If you have kids, it's
3: also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home.
2: And when we say in-depth, we're talking deep in-depth. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide.
3: They also have details about local schools with test scores state rankings and student to teacher ratio they even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent
2: so when it comes to finding a home not just a house a home this is everything you need to know all in one place homes.com we've done your homework you're
0: uh, going back to innovating uh you're the first to have a track bar adjuster
4: yep yep that was in 93 four 93 Yep, what happened was back then you used to have a, just a bolt that you or serrated thing that you could just un, you know loosen up move the track bar on the right side in the garage. <laughs> but yeah, in the garage, you know, when you're making changes, but there was no way of adjusting it during the race. It was just the four jack screws that you could adjust in the race, but we go to Wilkesboro and have a, just a horrible race. I couldn't adjust the car for anything. It was nothing would, you know, none of our stuff would work. Air pressure and wet, nothing did. I really wanted to adjust the track bar, but you can't do it. And so Brad Francis was a real innovative kind of wizard that we had working on special projects and uh, had a little room in the back because you kind of had to segregate him from the rest of the team. And uh, I came back and told Brad, I said, look, I want a way to adjust that track bar height on the right side with a wedge wrench. I said, I've got to be able to adjust that. He goes off in his little room, smoking his little cigarettes. He comes out about two days later and he's got this thing in his hand. That's basically, you can weld on the car. It shows me how it works. I was like, looks good to me. He says, well, wh- how do you want to test it? I said, put it on the car going to Loudon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we're going to race it. We down. went to the track. It was a real fine threaded thing. So it didn't, it wasn't, it, it became more, you know, mature yeah. la- later. Yeah. But so we, again, we're terrible. And Ricky Rudd was leading. He he lapped. I came right to our back bumper to lap us and caution comes out. And so we coming down pit road and I said, run that track bar up. Two inches. At, the, at that time, I think it took like 24 rounds to get the thing up that high. And so the guy goes out there, winding, 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 winding. and I remember <laughs> watching it back in Benny Parsons in the booth. He says, wow, that is a lot. <laughs> a lot of wedge. He thinks we're putting wedge in. Yeah. Raising that track for us. We ended up coming back and finishing second. So it really helped. I wow. mean, it really mattered. Uh, they weren't very impressed, the NASCAR people, because they didn't know it was on there right. until they saw that. And they called me up in the hauler and raked me over the coals about it. And uh, I made a good case, though. I said, look, it makes for better competition. It's not a safety issue. And there's no cost really involved. Yeah. So that was the three kind of criteria they used. And, and so they ended up calling me next week, so they'd keep running it.
0: Dang. Just like that.
1: Yep. Was Gary Nelson still the. Uh Competition director.
4: I think he the was time.
0: then, maybe.
1: Yeah. Is, is it true that Gary Nelson was one of the no, most notorious innovators yeah. in his oh, time? Yeah. Oh, and that's yes, why NASCAR yes. had hired him. And yeah. so, like, when you know, I'm thinking that as you were telling the story mm-hmm. about the deck lid and the spoiler and everything. But, like, and <laughs> how maybe if it was anybody else, I mean, they probably don't even – tell you to go uh you know take that spoiler back a little bit, but like here there's here's oh, yeah. here's like the evil genius yeah. that is and I know. dropped
4: that on him first day on job did you really <laughs> yeah that was his first day <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is interesting for sure
0: yeah so y'all won the championship in nineteen ninety four yep um how's the relationship at this point
4: oh, it's great man oh I mean, yeah we were really i mean really by the mid season of ninety three we we were really really clicking yeah. everything i mean there's times, and you know, I got really frustrated because he was getting so much attention, so many other things, you know, souvenirs, and all these things are just mm-hmm. pulling him away from, from what we're trying to do. But it, but he's just so good on the racetrack, and you know, wasn't very good qualifier. We didn't qualify good, but it didn't, really, it didn't matter. We'd figure out a way to be in the top five every week or win, and it was going really good.
0: Y'all, you drove a Bush car for Dad at Martinsville. No, oh, yeah, that was in '94. Yeah, so. You've raced, uh, you know, you, we talked about your I drove for DEI before you did. Yeah. We talked about <laughs> your yep. driving career and how, how it, you said it kind of disappeared, uh, when Dale Jarrett came in your garage and decided he was going to drive the car, um, when you were 18. But you did have a career in driving. I mean, I've, there's this picture that keeps popping up on my social media timeline of that yellow five car, that late yeah. model stock. Yeah. And, uh, that Jimmy Hensley was driving mm-hmm. the Bush version of yep. that. What team was
4: that? Okay. So we had advanced auto parts on our car back in uh, – that was probably 87-ish. Yeah. And uh, somebody that owned my th- – I guess the guy that owned my team had a relationship with somebody at, at, at advanced auto parts up in Roanoke. He, and it was actually a decent sponsor for us sure. for a late model. And I that we had it before uh, Hensley and Sam Ard's team had it. Okay. And I don't know how that transitioned but into them. that was them, Sam Ard's car? That was Hensley Sam Martin's car. Yep. And so they wanted – that was a uh, one of those double races at Hickory. that. So
0: we put them out there to do that yeah. picture. So you're working in the Cup Series but also racing all – Every now and then. Though. Every now and yeah. then. Yeah, I never
4: ran more than maybe seven to ten races a year okay. ever in my life.
0: So yeah. why, in 1994, do you want to go race the Xfinity Series at Martinsville? Okay, this is how that happened. So we take a brand-new
4: car, RCR, up to Martinsville for a test. And – um we had broken a gear up there the year before, and so we had come up with a different system of how we break in the, the gears. They break them in on a machine now, the ring and pinion sets, but back then we didn't have that, so we had to do it at the track. And it was meticulous to do it, you know. And, you know, your dad had been out there running, and he, you know, I said, okay, we're gonna start breaking these gears in. And I knew he wouldn't like it, he hated that stuff, yeah. you know. So, but I said, we gotta do it, we have to get this done. Let's go ahead and knock it out. And he goes, I don't want to do it. You, you used to drive the thing. I don't know. You, you know how to do it. You used to do it. I'm going to go fishing. Had that pond over there. You remember that pond that used to be out,
0: outside at Martinsville?
4: No. There used to be a pond right there yeah. as you come in. He said, I'm just going to go over there and go fishing. You just do
0: it. Oh, yeah. The duck pond. Yeah, the duck yeah, pond. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. He said, just uh, I went in there and put my pit crew uniform on, you know, and I get in the car put the thing in. The procedure was you go out there and run it slow for f- seven, eight, or 10 laps. It was, you know, kind of a pain, but you do that and then you let it sit for a minute and then you go out there and run 10 laps hard and then take it out you know so it was kind of broke in yeah and so I did the first one we did the first slow runs on two gears and then we put the put them back in and we did the you know the fast run so the first fast run we did I put it in there your dad had been running about 21 flat basically and so I get in there and I go run it and I run it about 22 flat like he might have never even drove a cup car before right you know, but yeah and so so <laughs> he comes up to the window and he goes What's wrong with you, man? You afraid, you, you afraid to mash it? Why don't you go? You know, high, you know just aggravating the heck out of him. He said, I thought he was fishing, right? But no, he's right there at the window as soon as I run. And so I said, All right. So I got to go back out. So it's first lap, I go back out with the next one. I hit the chip coming down the front stretch first time, 20, 2110, first lap. Nice. <laughs> so Ooh. so he, you know, I mean, I've been mean, inside. So I was like, check with it. I, I didn't want to wreck a new car, you know. That's why I tried to tell him, say, Look, I'm just taking it easy. So it's, you know, it's a brand new car. But after that, I said, screw it. I'm going to go as hard as I can go. He challenged you. Yeah. And so after that, I, he's like, you know, I he realized I actually could drive at Martinsville. And I said, you need to let me run up here in your bush car sometime. <laughs>
5: well,
4: it turns out he ended up missing a race at Richmond, a short track race yeah. at Richmond. And he owed one? And he owed one back to him, the um, Goodrich. And I, I, I conned up this scheme to see if Goodrich would actually sign off on me driving the car at that Martinsville race, which was an off weekend for us in the fall. And so they agreed, and Earnhardt said, I'll tell you what, if we've if we got a good point lead in the Cup Series after Charlotte, which is the last race before the off weekend, then I'll let you drive that car. So Rusty, I think, is who we were running for the championship for. He has problems. We end up gaining a bunch of points. And, I mean, I, before the white flag came out, I'm running to the hauler because you know how he is. He's gone. I get in the hall right when he comes in there, and I said, I'm coming to get that car in the morning. He said, all right, come get it. So I go to the, the deer head shop. With the, you know, I think he had a truck and trailer, or maybe I brought one. I can't remember. And uh, the car's there. It's the car he missed the race at Richmond. I'm taking to Martinsville. The one that Dale Earnhardt didn't qualify with. (laughs) But it was an opportunity, (laughs) and I'm going to (laughs) go. You know, and so we get up there, and it it was a weekend off for his guys. He didn't want his his main guys doing it either, right? So I take it back to RCR. I get a handful of guys to take our weekend off. We take the cup hauler up there, and, you know, everybody goes with me. And I don't have anybody to help me on Saturday for – Qualified. So I get Ray Everingham to go with me.
0: Hey. Yep.
4: Sure did. So I've got Ray up there as kind of my crew chief. Your dad wouldn't let me change. It. I was going to change the seat. It had a banjo seat in it. And he said, nope. You can change the seat or you ain't going to drive Going to drive it in that seat. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. And he wouldn't even let me put brake ducks in it. He Dang. was not going to let me cut the nose and put brake ducks in it until I made the field. He said, you ain't going to make the field anyway. So don't, even put, don't cut my front end up. I said, all right. So I go up and <laughs> then Ray's helping me get qualified. And I'm really, really loose, you know. This is a funny story, but he says, how loose are you? Wrong pit road working on it. And I said, it's pretty loose, man. And he says, and I look in my mirror, and this guy backs in the wall. Boom, hits the wall right behind me. I said, turn around, Ray. And he said, oh. I said, that's going to be us if we don't tighten it up. <laughs> 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 he said, oh, okay. <laughs> I get it now. But we uh, we got it, you know, decent enough to make the field. I think yeah. we qualified to mid high twenties yep. or something. But made the field, and cut the brake ducts in there, and, you know. Yeah, fin- I think we finished 16th. So. Yeah. Yeah,
1: when was, you say you you uh, you know convinced Goodrich to uh, let you do it, I mean like how did that happen? Because it's like their alternative is Dale Earnhardt owes them a race. You can have the you know greatest race car driver to ever hold a <laughs> wheel or his crew chief run at Martinsville. What,
4: yeah, I d- think that they you know. Dale had so much clout with him. That was his weekend off. He was in the Bahamas. He didn't even – he wasn't anywhere around. He just wanted a weekend off, and so – Okay, they, that's
1: all you had to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you had to say, I mean, because he didn't want to give up his no. weekends off.
0: I, so I knew you were a driver after all that. I didn't know much about – I didn't know you'd really run any races. I mean, thinking back to 1994, 95 or whatever, I didn't think – I didn't know that you had drove a car and then you go race dad's bush car. Um, so then it's starting to dawn on me maybe you – you were probably mad. You probably want to drive it. <laughs> no. Um, I'm So I'm running like a late model. <laughs> yeah. or, I'm running a street stock or something. Yeah. Dad calls me. I'm changing all at the dealership. My brother, Kerry, is just a few feet away at the service manager's desk. Uh, he's a service rider. He said, hey, get your helmet and your uniform. Come up to the airport tomorrow morning don't tell your brother. I said, all right. Well, oh, I remember this. What, am I, what am I going to do? So I got my little sun, late model stock uniform, sundrop uniform, and I am get on the King Air, and if we fly to Talladega. And I'm starting to get it right. I'm gonna do something at Talladega. This is gonna be amazing. So they're testing the new V8 for the Bush series. Yep. They had yep. V6s. They had one
4: been. of the uh, RCR motors in it for that test. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And Dad and Dave, Dad and Dave Marcus have been rad- driving the car a little bit. Mainly Dave Marcus was driving that yes. car, and your dad, dad was, was driving the Cup, a cup car.
4: car. We were. It was a pretty full test for us there. So. Gotcha.
0: So he lets me go out in the in the Bush car, and I'm matched Marcus's time I was pumped um, Dave's giving me tips about why you know why a lap was good or a lap was yep. bad like how you make a difference as a driver and I'm feeling pretty good and then right at the end of the day <laughs> here comes Andy Pedro be bopping out of the trailer what, in his your uniform dad sa- your dad says you want to drive it I said yeah he said go get your uniform on. Let's you drive it I was like damn <laughs> I want to drive it more right there's like only 30 <laughs> minutes left for the track's closing he goes out there and matched our lap times <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> you know why, though, right? Uh-uh. So, I, so I go and get in the car,
4: and I know and your dad says, no, you can't run a thing part throttle now because you'll mess up Richard's Motor. So you got to make sure you don't run part throttle.
0: <clears throat> Same thing.
4: Okay, so it, it, it so preaches it to me. And I'm like, God, I'm man. It's how go. Yeah. You yeah.
1: know, I'll hold that thing wide open. So, right?
4: all right. I can pull off it road, and I'll get wide open coming off turn two, and I'm looking at that straight I'm like, God, turn, the impulse I'm seeing that and that turn. It looks nice and broad from up above, but you're looking at it down the straight. You're, that thing looks like it's dead left. I said, man, I'm holding that throttle wide. I know he's got a stopwatch, right? So if I don't hold it wide up, he's going to know. And I, I said, man, it sure would be nice to know how far to turn it. You know, so I just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you
0: know, I held it wide open first lap.
4: God. It took my breath. Did you hold it yeah. wide open the first lap you oh, went yeah. out?
0: So dad told me the same thing. We're, same. we're in there. And... Did,
4: did you have that same feeling going into that first, the well, first time? Well, he says to
0: me, he's like, no, you can't lift. You lift, you gonna burn a pistol. That's exactly what he told me. Exactly. I know, but listen to how and, he interpreted this. And I'm listening to dad, and I'm like, he's only, he's full of. No, he was serious. He's, I'm, <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, he's full of. <laughs> he's just telling me this so he, so I don't go out there and embarrass him, mm-hmm. right? And go out there and lift. <laughs> and because lifting in hindsight would have been silly because yeah. it's such a, you know, it's such a big track and easy to run wide open. But he's like, now if you lift, you run part throttle burn a piss and I'm thinking in my head how am I going to get through the pits wide of it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm a, so like he pulls out of the garage <laughs> <laughs> like just to move out of the stall and through yeah. the garage and out on the pit road I'm like pop, pop, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I didn't take it quite that little I took literal, it literal <laughs> boy I mean literal
0: <laughs> I could just see oh it Oh my but. god And then yeah, you're right <laughs> mm-hmm. You're pulled out on the track You're going down the back straightaway And you're thinking There's no way it's going to It's going to fly this place I mean yeah You're looking at this turn It's a dead
4: left hand turn yeah. At the end of the straightaway And you're going 190 You're going to fly to here
0: But it's, it, once you do
4: it It's like it's oh, got, yeah, It's, it's okay like But
0: so much grip
4: it, was, it took my and breath so, though, first time.
0: So <laughs> I go out there and you're That's freaking it. out. You got a hole in the steering wheel and I go out there and I ran just as fast as Dave, maybe a couple tenths. Like I wa I was right there with yeah. him and I was like, Oh, oh man. Wait uh-huh. till I go get out there again. I'm gonna run and this next time I'm gonna light it up.
4: Then this, you didn't get it next time I got to do it.
0: No. <laughs> I got back out there and I let the wheel do whatever it wanted to do, and I was relaxed, and then I let it feed up off the corner and out, you know. How much did you pick up? A second slower. What? I come in. I'm like, Dad comes over. What the hell? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I, I You know, I kind of let the wheel roll, move around. Don't do that. Hold it. Hold that. Don't let the wheel move at all. I was like, well, you know, kind of. It was that much slower doing that. And I was like, I, I kind of let it come up off the corner, and he's like, what? Don't do that! And Dave Marcus is standing there, and he's like, "Yeah, you're just adding feet to the lap." Yeah. He's like, "Man, you got to stay tight." I was like, mm-hmm. "Man, I just every other racetrack we go to, we, we come out and go out to the fence." He's like, "You probably added five thousand feet to this whole lap." <laughs> he's like, "No wonder it's slower." I got a chance to get back in there, yeah. And I mean, I'm holding the wheel. I'm like locked, locked my elbows into my you legs the so, the, so the yeah. steering wheel wouldn't turn in the corner. Because in a turn in the corner, it's like the wheel's trying to do this. All right, if you let go of it, it's going to just start going mm. crazy. track was
4: really rough back then. It used to jump around a lot. It
0: was. And, uh, and I tied tie it off the bottom, real awkward. Feels like it's bogging it down, but it was faster.
1: <laughs> so when, when you see him come uh, popping out of the uh, hollow of the driver's suit, what was I wanted
0: feeling? to run one. I was like, I might get another run. I might get another lap. When he come running out there, I was like, no. no but, <laughs> but, Everybody gets to drive today. <laughs> no, I knew, I knew the deal, and I was like, all right. And then he go, he went out there and is run as fast as I run and I was like, Damn, I thought I'd done something <laughs> special. But it was like, Hell anybody, here here get, old mechanic anybody can get in Anybody can get in there and do this.
1: <laughs> It'd been awesome if you'd have been like, you know, this is for taking my room at the presidential
5: yeah, school. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get Back out of the, of the car, yeah. kid. <laughs>
1: so
4: that Martinsville Hill race I got to run in the in right. his Xfinity car. So I uh, hit Terry Labonte, like, hard going into turn three on one of the restarts. Pel- the brake pedal went completely to the floor. And, I, you know, I, didn't, and I ran all over. I don't know how he didn't, re- didn't wreck. That, that proved to me how good he was. Well, the next week, you know how Terry is. He's real quiet. See him at the next race. I think it was rocking him. He comes up. Me and Dale were standing there. And he said, hey, Dale. He yeah. says, next time you want to do
0: something for Andy? He said, take him hunting. <laughs> <laughs> That's, funny. That's awesome. So you run that race. I mean, like, I know you've – I'm looking at your uh, your statistics here. You've had five Xfinity races, seven truck races, uh, two Arkham Menard starts, a, mo- a modified start. Why do you do that random one-off run? I just like doing it. Just, you know, for, just when you find an opportunity. I mean, yeah. I still love to drive. You I, you do too. You do the same oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just go, never get yeah.
4: over it. I mean, it's just – it's something, I, you know, I've never had a full season of doing it, but I always enjoy going and running a one-off. Like when we ran the late model race at Hickory, that was just a one-off that year. I hadn't driven in years and did it there. And then, you know, Schrader's one that kind of taught me into doing this whole thing with the truck. We, uh, you know, he goes and runs all these Arca races. He's driving for me, and he's got all, he's just all over the place. And I told him one time, so I'm going to come show up at one of them Arca races and, and outrun you, you know, just kidding around with him. And so, about a month later, he comes, hey, I got a good idea on that arcade I said, what? He said, come to Ducoin, Illinois. I'm
1: like, what? <laughs>
4: That's a dirt track. And he said, no, nah, man, you'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be fun. It's a, it's a Labor Day Monday. Great event. You, you got to just take one of your cup cars. I'll give you the setup. You know, you'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, all right. It sounds like something fun, but I know I'm gonna, it's not going to work good. Show up up there at Ducoin. There's like 45, six cars there. Schrader's there. It's Tony Stewart. All these, you know, Kimmel, all those guys. And I don't have a clue. I I look at this track, it's a one mile dirt track, and it's, you know, they water it, they've done it. You've seen it now in Bristol, but it's just, I don't even know what what I'm doing. And so get ready to qualify. I go out there and I say, I'm just going to drive as hard as I can, you know, end up qualifying fourth out of all these guys. And I, I said, I was telling somebody the other day, I think, I'm thinking I'm a real dirt racer now, right? <laughs> race starts turn one or turn two. I turn around backwards and then looking at all of them. So it was a little harder than that. <laughs> I ended up finishing ninth. So yeah. I was respectable, but it was Sarah. not, I wasn't as good as I thought it was. But anyway, so we would get a rematch. He wants a rematch. Who? I, or Schrader, I outqualified him. He qualified oh. like 12, and he's mad, and he won't even talk to me. And I'm like, dang, you know, man, one of my best friends won't even say anything. And so he's parked right beside me. Finally, I go up to him. I said, hey, Kenny. I said, what? I said, I know you're mad, you know. But I said, if it makes you feel any better. I got 20 minutes practice before. Even though it's my first time on dirt, I got 20 minutes practice if it makes you feel better. He gets so mad. Yeah. <laughs> he said,
0: you wait to let race start." So you were with Dad for what, two years, three years?
4: Two three. Years? 93, four, and five.
0: You said by the end of 94 when y'all had the championship, things were good. Why did you make a change? Why did y'all – why well, did, what was happening?
4: It, we were on a roll and it was not the right time to move on, but it was the only time this opportunity was going to come up for me. Yeah. Leo Jackson had come and asked me, he wanted to retire. He wanted me to come back and and buy the team and he was going to make it possible for me to do that. I mean, how many opportunities right. am I going to get or somebody like me that can make that happen? And it was a hard decision. You know, I've got the best job in the sport. I, you know, crew chief for Dale Earnhardt, we're winning races, champion. You know, we came really close to winning it in 95. And, um, but I had kind of checked the box, right? I, I won a championship as a crew chief, and this is here, and it's now. And, yeah. And uh, so I took it. I mean, I, it was real risky because I had to get sponsorship lined up too, and there was, there was a lot of risk involved. Right. But I thought if I'm ever going to do it, this is the only time. Mm-hmm. When
0: I saw you at the banquet, after um, 94, there was a. I think about that moment. I don't know why, but there was something about you where if something like that wasn't, there was, you weren't, that wasn't too big of a moment for you to, to become a team owner, right? To, to, like you say, go find mm-hmm. that sponsorship. Man, I mean, I think about moving Xfinity, our Xfinity program to Cup and, and it's, it's almost an impossibility. How? Well, how, you know, but you bite you bite a chunk out of that sandwich like there's nothing to it, you know or you're willing to go for it
4: yeah uh, it was I look back on it now and think, wow, that was bold to even think you could pull it off yeah. because you know school had been there for quite a few years, but they were kind of wanting to wind it out and not and not re, you know return and so I had to go and convince them to come to sponsor me and and we were going to do these things, we're going to change the team we're going you know had uh, Robert Pressy was driving. I, you know, I promised him that we would find a top 10 caliber driver to put in there. And it's just no slight to Robert. We're good friends today, but it wasn't going good then. Yeah. And, um, so they were, you know, I was lucky enough that they, they bought in, you know, so we, we had a two year deal starting in 97, 98. And I got I somehow convinced Schrader to leave Hendrick and come <laughs> drive for me. So how
0: did you tell dad?
4: Okay. So I, I told him early in 95, I, I gave him plenty of notice. And, um, told you know your dad probably first and so you then gave him the whole Richard.
0: year to try to talk you out of it
4: no it, it was it was a few months <laughs> it was quite a few months and he tried hard yeah. and uh we went to you know i went to the boat in the bahamas spent with him and he always did the drawings of dei He was trying to say you know come be a partner with me. I, you know just kind of you know I'll give you a part of this and we, you know you can be over here and do this instead of that and i said you know, that's, that's tempting it is i said but i said nobody's a partner with you <laughs> I said, I'd be working for you. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I want to be my own man. I want to go out here and do this. Mm-hmm. And he understood. At that point, he understood. Yeah. And uh, so we go on, and we have a really good success, even after I told him. We win Martinsville, I think it was one of the races, uh, and uh, we're in victory lane. He said, I'll come up in here and get you a pitcher. He said, probably going to be – it's going to be the last time for a while or something like that. And I said, what about next week? Because we weren't finished with the season. He says, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, yeah, and great. we end
4: up winning actually another. We won the, the – actually
0: the last race of the year. Atlanta. We, Atlanta, yeah. He won Atlanta mm-hmm. there for – Man, he was man. so good there. I remember they gave away ski nautics to the winner, and he he has a pile had a, of them. Had a building full of them, yeah. I bet. And he, he was mm-hmm. very stingy with those. Very stingy. <laughs> I don't know how to put this into words because um, I got so much respect for everybody that came after you. I guess I always felt like that you were the last person that Dad had on the pit box that that – blend meshed well with him yeah that, i
4: say I, I, I don't have any regrets about the decision of moving and doing my own thing but I do have that regret that I know I know we could have won another Oh yeah one. and I I, I I look back on it thinking man I just I feel like I shortchanged him some on that because you know it, it did uh, it upset everything that was going on when I left but I had to do this and so you know being a team owner it was a dream of mine, too, and I was able to do that for seven or eight years. I wouldn't have done that any other way, right. and that time was now, you know, or then. So, I mean, it was it was a regret, though, for sure.
0: Y'all had the split, right? And apparently it sounds like it was a reasonable – everybody were, were, was respectable. So much so that y'all form the RAD program. And a lot of people today don't really know what RAD was. Uh, certainly everybody that – uh, everybody that had to compete against RAD knew what RAD was. Oh, yeah. So talk about how RAD and what RAD is and, mm-hmm. and how that developed.
4: Okay, so Richard Childress comes to me at one of the races, and, you know, we're all spending money on aero development and wind tunnel time and, and trying to use all the resources that GM provides. and But it's all these, you know, parallel programs. And it was his idea, Richard Childress, to bring all three of our organizations together and just do it collectively. We'd have more resources. We could go hire somebody to kind of run it for us. Um, I think he even came up with the – you know, it's Richard, Andy, and Dale is what yeah. Rad meant. Right. And uh, so we put that <laughs> LLC together, and, uh, and we kind of, you know, forced all of the Aero people in all three teams to work together. Boy, they didn't like it either. Mm. They didn't want to you – know, I can imagine. Oh, they didn't. They did, it was very reluctant buy-in from all the teams. And I, I was like, man, this is we got to figure this out. we got to make it work. And I told my people – we are gonna do this. We are. We're gonna share every single thing. Don't hold anything back. And I said, we're gonna we're gonna move the needle on this. And so, as they, as they finally started buying in, it it was real quick. It's like a wildfire it just caught up. I was like, okay. So we were making big time gains, and and the creativity of three different organizations piled into one was super successful. What
1: was the first race where you guys knew that Rad was something was a, a force uh, to? To deal with i don't even remember i mean yeah. this would to be clear this was like a restrictor plate uh because of the arrow this is no, it was it was oh, really? downforce too
4: yeah we did we okay. showed it all and uh it, obviously it was really evident at the at the super speedways right because, okay you know the dei cars you guys were winning everything we actually won a couple won one race with apr at talladega during that time and uh oh it, with uh bobby hamilton yep, that was part of that yep so That's it right. showed up a lot at those tracks, but but it also showed up at the other ones. Yeah, We made a lot more downforce, too. I remember that. Bobby Hamilton was
1: like laying on the ground after in Victory Lane.
2: It, was it, a, like, it never it was had like a caution. It was,
4: it was a hot day, and right. then it went green the whole way, 500 miles. That was right. tough.
1: <laughs> I had to pick him up just for his victory Sounds lane.
4: Awesome. <laughs> I got a picture of Joe Nemechek who's driving my other car in that race. I think he finished. He finished in the top five or six, and he comes to victory lane to congratulate Bobby. And they're both just sitting
1: down by the car.
4: Right. <laughs> just like neither one of them could stand
0: up.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you guys had him covered at the at the restrictor plates. I mean, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't even know. was it was there a streak of wins? Or, Probably. Or, yeah. I, I would I had say to there back. Had to be. I mean, between all the ones you won
4: yeah. and. I guess uh, Michael and how long did that last? Did Steve Park win any of those Super Speedway races? Mm-mm. No, but so it's between you and Michael. But and, and he won Bobby others. Won I one. mean, like, what you,
0: made what? When did Rad go away?
4: After I so in two thousand three, after the two thousand two season, I I lost one of my sponsors. Um, Actually, both Cup sponsors, and ended up going and doing an Xfinity thing with Paul Menard and Menards for just a short time. So, I mean, I, fiz- I financially couldn't participate anymore, so I had to bow out, and it it kind of after that just fell apart. Yeah, you
0: know. Mm. So, what was that like? I mean, you you you. So in ninety six, seven, you know, late nineties, your your Cup teams, you know, performing, functioning, um, then the sponsor stuff. That stuff got harder and harder to find. Yep. Yeah, when it, w- at what point are you like starting to realize you got to make a change?
4: Yeah. So it was 2001 was our last season running two cars. We had Joe Nemechek and uh, and Bobby Hamilton. And like I say, Bobby won my first race as an owner. It I guess it was in April. And then we know that we're going to lose. We're not losing Square D. We're we're going to have them another year. So Bobby was going to run in 2002, but Joe. We couldn't find a sponsor for the 33. And so we were, we were looking everywhere. We're trying. This is right after 9-11, and things were just really in turmoil. We go to Rockingham next to the last race of the year, I think it was, and we end up winning there with, with Joe. And so you're thinking, you're doing everything possible, right? Yeah. We were on the brink, really, at, at APR. We were on the brink of really making that step to being, you know, to being able to make it. And, uh, and so we just weren't able to get over that hurdle. So I had to shut that team down going into 2002, and so we only had one team, and that's just—it's really hard, man. When you're when you're mm. shrinking, and you know your good people are finding other jobs, and it's just hard to hold it together.
0: So you—so what did you do? Like, um,
4: well, we did the deal with Paul Menard and an Xfinity, uh, kind of a combination un, under races. your banner. Yeah, APR. in your shop. Yep, we did all the engines and did the cars. Uh, we ran a handful of races. We won an ARCA race with him at Talladega. And then did a few of those, Arca, Bush, and then cu- uh, did a couple of cup races. And then in 2004, we signed a deal with Menards to run the full season. Actually, I think it was a five-year deal we signed. And uh, it, it, it just wasn't going well. We were – you know, John Menards is a great guy. I love him. But he was making me spend a lot of money on things I didn't really want to spend money on. And it was he was kind of telling me how to run the team. And it was probably going to be the first year as an owner I was going to lose money. Mm. And uh, I found out – I got wind through about half of the year that – that he was gonna take that and go to D E I, you know, even though we had a five year deal. Wow. I was, like I said I was gonna if I finished the year I was gonna lose money for the first year ever. So I was like, okay, this is my sign to I need to shut it down and just, you know, do something else. Because I didn't wanna I'd made money every year, I just didn't want to put it all back into the How hard is it, it to to dismantle a program? It's hard. It really is. I mean it was um you know, it was just something in my life. At that time, everything I tried, I tried everything to keep it going, right? All, every, I kept running into dead ends everywhere. You know, my wife tells me one day, she says, "Well, yeah, maybe God doesn't want you doing that anymore." Yeah. You know, maybe He's got something else for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, He finally had to hit me over the head with a two before I got it. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I went ahead and just, you know, auctioned everything off, sold everything. And. In you know, what year was that? That was in '04, the middle middle 04. of the season. So for two and a half years, I just I basically was retired. I did that retirement thing backwards, right? So I, did, <laughs> <laughs> I did it in, in two thousand four and five, and even six. And uh, you know, my daughter was playing softball. She's you know, it was great. I mean, I had some of the best years of my life. Yeah,
2: doing that. There's no
3: need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience and... The AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes.
2: So pick up an AC Pro recharge kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. So are you good into broadcasting? So I'm out there on a tractor one day and come
4: up to get something to drink. And the guy that, you know, the suspension rigs, you've got, a, I think you guys have one or two here.
0: Yeah. So y'all I'm building made, those. You were that's right. Mm-hmm. So you were building a pull down rig mm-hmm. when pull down when you were the only one. Well, we to, invented it. Yeah, you invented <laughs> yeah. a pull down rig to, so that basically teams can take the car and put it into max travel, like you'll only be able to, to produce out on the racetrack. This was really really amazing creative stuff. When teams are coil binding mm-hmm. or not wanting to coil bind, trying to create more travel, this was such a great way to figure out how to do that. And to be able to do that, uh, so that you could hit the ground running when you got to the racetrack, and so you developed this machine. Did you make money doing that? I made, I probably made. I mean, it
4: ended up that we sold
0: thirty-three of
4: those units. Every almost every major team has, has one. one yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had guys building that in the shop, and yeah, I made. I made, I mean, I, yeah, I did well. It was accidental. I really didn't even want to get into it. It just mm-hmm. kept, you know kind of took off, and so I kept a couple of guys working on it. It's kind of doing weird, odd
0: stuff like that.
4: Yeah. So I come. I was like on a tractor. Come up there to get a Gatorade and uh, walk up in there. Jeff Swan working for me he said, "Hey, some here's a note. Some lady called from ESPN. I don't know if she's selling magazines. I don't know what it is." Hands it to me with a number, and I put stuck in my pocket and went back to work. End up calling the number later, and it was Jill Fredrickson, which is a coordinating producer at ESPN. You know, she was a big mm-hmm. wheel and wanted to know if I wanted a shot at this. I'm like, "Wow, I never even thought of it." But yeah, had I mean, you
0: ever done any TV, no. radio, nothing, nothing, no. not one race, nope, nothing. What is your, what do you, what do you do? What do so you, you they go had practice? Me, How do you go practice? They
4: had me come to Charlotte for an audition. I think the first one I did was with Dave Burns.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And, uh, maybe it was Alan Bestwick. I can't remember who it was. We did a couple there and you're an analyst. So, you know, it's, it's a little easier being an analyst than sure. to be a real TV guy. That's right? so that's doing, you know, that's hard, but for what we do, we just talk about what we know and just, you know, let your personality show you do a really good job at. It. I love watching you. Thank you. Um, so we did one of those there and then did another one in Bristol, Connecticut with, uh, I think it was Marty Reed, maybe some other people. And so they offered me the job, you know. I remember thinking the money was decent. Yeah, it was pretty good, but I thought, man, i got to go back now and go to work. But I think I really want to do this. And so my wife said, well, don't, don't let the money worry you, you know. Just go do it.
1: So I did it. Did did you find it, uh, you know, putting you back in the racetrack, was that fulfilling to you? I mean, is that yeah. something you realized that you were missing?
4: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's definitely – it's better, you know, you haven't experienced a time where you just don't even – because you kind of went out of the car, into the booth, kind of all that. But I had that time where I wasn't even anywhere near the track. Yeah. That's, so, yeah, that's a, it does help. Quite a change. It's, it's going back and, and, you know, going in the garage and meeting and talking to the people, keeping up with the technology. Sure. You know, it was uh, – I enjoyed all that a lot.
1: You're good at it, too. Well, did, did, pe- did people – I mean, did you feel like that? I mean
4: – I got some good feedback. I mean, apparently I wasn't good enough that <laughs> somebody wanted to keep me Well, yeah, I don't think
1: they pinned it, uh, <laughs> you know, th- th- them getting out of the sport altogether on you. you know? <laughs> no. no, I'm
4: not talking about ESPN. I'm talking about after that. I think that the other networks want their own people, Oh, I got but,
1: you. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I still do some
4: work at, on the race sub show at Fox, yeah. so still dabble in it.
0: Yeah. So I'm surprised because – You've already been there and you've done that, and you know the commitment and the grind. And the, I mean, for a, for the role that you have at RCR, there's a ton of responsibility. You got your hands involved in everything. You've you got a bunch of people coming to you for answers. Why did you want to put yourself in that position again when you didn't have to?
4: Well, I, you know, I'm just super competitive. I'm still I'm still young enough to want to go out there and do it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to just sit over here and go fishing every day. Or play golf. I mean, which is fine. I like having time off too. But I felt like I have something to offer, and I wanted to see if I could move the needle. Any, you know, feel like maybe we have some. So I, it still still gets me up in the morning. You know, mm. it keeps me thinking about what's next. What can we work on to move? You know, to move it this week.
0: Yeah. What's in your future?
4: Like- well, Richard and I have a two-year agreement this year, next year, and then after that, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. See how it goes. I'll, I'll be part of the next-gen
0: rollout and uh, see what's next.
1: What's that? Uh, what are your thoughts on RCR's this?
0: RCR's uh, played a big role in yeah. development yeah. of the next-gen mm-hmm. car and, and, and its testing and so forth, and so how – where's your optimism? I, I
4: think it's going to be fine. I, I, there's a few little issues that we've had to work through, the steering and some of the heat issues with the exhaust the way it runs through the rockers. But, you know, everybody's done an amazing job uh, on the design side and – and the production, you know, we built, like I said, we built the chassis there at RCR uh, from the Dillard design and NASCAR's design. Yeah. And uh, it's actually been pretty good. I mean, the cars performed just exactly the way they hoped it would. Do you like the car? Yeah.
0: Much, I mean, how different than what we've seen? Way different. That, that thing we're running now is just like a
4: blob. That's what they call it, I think. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. But it, the real cars the have, 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 character. have character. They are good.
0: Yeah. That's oh, interesting.
1: I can't wait. Yeah. Is there
0: good. anything about the, the package? of the car that you think uh, you would like to see. What do you mean now? You're talking about. So let me ask you this, since you're, you're, you're a great guy to ask this. (laughs) Let's forget, forget the next gen car. So I feel like that they should take the spoilers off the car or at least remember, take them off. off. Right. What would Mm -hmm. happen if you took a spoiler off?
4: Uh, It would change the game a lot. And we would have to make some major, major adjustments with setup. Mm-hmm. The drivers would be out of hand. You couldn't even talk to them.
5: <laughs> I, mean, would,
4: I don't even know how we would handle that. Um, but it would, it would. You can obviously take a car and make it go around the track without a spoiler. It's just going to be. a <laughs> desi- You've seen some you of the stuff on rain, rain track. You know, r- water on the track, yeah. and dirt. Some of the dirt track. It's going to be worse than that. I mean, it's going to be, be bad. It'll be bad. No, but, but, but like, what do you mean by that? It's like just, bad well, the cars, because they can I think it would be. I think do it would it. be entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd, I'd love to watch the guys go out there and do have it. Have it slow
0: down, lift.
1: Yeah. I mean, but like that's they kind could of physically do it. Look, we we know that, how
4: we could we could take that car today. We got enough technology, yeah. and we could make it drive pretty good. Dave
0: Marcus was sitting in here one day, and uh, he. I know this is a t- this is not related. This is apples and oranges, but he's like, yeah, we had the seventy six K K Dodge. Was Harry Hyde So Dave is driving it They're at Talladega And they're just They're about fourth fastest They need a tenth On the Pearson or somebody Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a They had a slotted uh, Wicker is all it was And I mean Harry had like A quarter of an inch wicker On the back of that thing And Dave was like Take it off All the way And uh, so they took it off And went out and qualified And he qualified on the pole and I'm like, man, I wonder if they could figure out a way to run the cars without the spoilers <laughs> on them, like in everywhere,
4: right? So you're talking about real low downforce,
0: very low, yeah. none, <laughs> none, <laughs>
4: lift, yeah. Let's <laughs> uh, see, back in '81 with those, those notchback yeah. rear windows and stuff, we had cars in the tunnel that had rear lift, not yeah. downforce. Right, that's so all nice we need, lift. some lift.
1: Wow. Boy, that would faster
4: you go the looser it is there you go <laughs>
1: <laughs> but your whole point is that it makes the racing so much better and and nobody thinks that the drivers wouldn't complain about it they but they would figure it some out some of them would
4: probably like it i think Tyler Reddick would love it <laughs> yeah i bet he would yeah, he likes it sliding around yeah. yeah
0: yeah well man it's been a great conversation i have looked forward to this uh, chance to talk to you and um, i mean i've known you forever a lot a lot like a lot of these guests that we get in here I've known you forever, but I don't know you. And this is such an amazing opportunity for us and everyone else that listens to this show.
4: I love this show. I I learned so much too from these guys you've had on here. And I I think it's an honor to be on it. So thank you
0: for asking. It's an honor to have you here. Appreciate your time. You've I mean, just a great, great conversation. Great, great stuff. So look forward to seeing what else you can do. I know that, You'll credit a lot of other people, but I think that you guys are steering in the right direction at RCR as far as just looking at the performance on the track. Things things have gotten so much better for that program and that organization. I think they're in a person in, involved in the sport, fans alike, that want to see success at RCR. And so you guys seem to be steering things in a good way. Uh, look forward to seeing what happens for you guys later this year as the season goes on. And, uh, yeah. I'm anxious to see what ha- what decision you make when that contract to your deal runs out. <laughs> where you go next or yeah, what you we'll do. Yeah. So, uh, again, thanks for thanks for coming. Thanks again for having me. Yes, guys. sir, Andy Petrie on the Dell Junior Download. It's time to hear from our sponsor Valvoline. All right, guys. Let me tell you about this new high-mileage product Valvoline has. It's called High Mileage 150K, specifically formulated for engines over 150,000 miles. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about older vehicles we've had with over 150,000 miles on them. It's important to take care of those vehicles. You guys know that with high-mileage engines, you're likely to experience issues with leaks, consumption, and wear, especially with those older, aging engines upwards of 150,000 miles. That's exactly what Valvoline had in mind when formulating high-mileage 150K. Their engineers used all the good stuff. We're talking about powerful detergents to minimize deposits and a new MOLLE additive package to reduce friction and protect those critical engine parts. With 20% better deposit protection versus GF6 industry standards, Valvoline's new high-mileage 150K motor oil is proven to maximize engine life. There's something special holding on to a car for several hundred thousand miles, and Valvoline, they want to keep you and your prized high-mileage ride on the road for years to come. To learn more, visit HighMileageOil.com. Well, we finally made it to my favorite part of the show, guys. Ask Junior, brought to you by Xfinity. Let's hear some of the questions sent to at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. Download. This is the Ask Junior portion of the show, and uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. Got a great uh, couple weeks of guests. I don't even know what we can tell you and what we can't tell you about <laughs> our guests, Mike. Do you? Is it all clear in your head? Yeah, it's
1: clear in my head. I think we can tell them whatever we want. Well, tell them what you want. Well, Ty Norris is going to be here next Ty week. Ty Norris is
0: going to be here next week. Yep. Ty Norris is the GM at DEI. He was hired by dad in the mid 90s to help build DEI to what it became. And I think his last year was 2004. So he's going to have a lot to say. And a lot of it's going to be pretty, pretty um, mind blowing. So <laughs> I expect that to be great. Who else?
1: Well, uh, there. Should, should we go ahead and tell them the go ahead uh, and tell, them. The, tell them what you want? Well, we you're got, the one that can break we, this news. We've got uh, Chipper Jones, the baseball player, coming Woo. up. He's on deck. See what I did there? Uh, very good. And then, at long last, uh, due to popular demand, Jimmy, Mister Excitement, Spencer,
5: oh, you're going to tell him. You're telling him
1: coming into the studio. Oh my God! He's coming into the studio. <laughs> yeah, gonna be big boy. You excited?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Ready to talk to old Jimmy Spencer. We
1: got a lot to say with Jimmy. We do. So did. that'll be fun. So we, yeah, do we got a line up? I mean, they got the Petri stuff uh, finishing up this week. We got Ty, Chipper, Jimmy. Oh, my God. I mean, that, come on.
0: That's all you can tell them?
1: That's enough. They okay. just need to marinate in that three uh, There's those a couple three more weeks. I
0: thought you might share, but. No, we, let's not. So let's, uh, let's get to the questions, Leah. All right, our
6: first question coming from Noah uh, Frizzle with NASCAR heading to Coda for the inaugural race of the track. What are your expectations for how the racing will be like at this new circuit, new to uh, NASCAR circuit? Yeah,
0: I I, you know, there'll be a lot of mistakes. Uh, it'll be uh, entertaining because I believe there'll be a lot of, you know, offline and, and guys missing corners and trying to get a little bit too much and trying to be a little too aggressive something like we might have you know somewhat of what we saw at Daytona in the road course there I think that track at Daytona is a little easier less technical and um, we still saw quite a few mistakes and you know I think we'll see a ton of them at Coda because that track's got a lot of turns and it's just I drove it on iRacing and it's really really hard so the other thing about that is uh A lot of guys have been racing at Coda in Trans Am and other types of motorsports. So there's some guys that do have some track time and that will be, they'll be quite good right out of the gate. So that'll be interesting to see how effective that is throughout the race. So, you know, guys like Reddick and a few other people that have raced on the track versus the people who have not, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, if those guys that haven't been there don't have the experience can close the gap on the ones that have and, whether that will even matter. I doubt it will by the end of the race. So just a lot to pay attention to. How do you set your fantasy lineup? I have no clue. Right? <laughs>
6: and there's rain in the forecast. Uh, Did you see I'm, that?
0: No. So there's <laughs> yeah. rain in the forecast, too. So add that in there. But I, uh, I'm kicking some butt in the NBC Fantasy League. I'm in the top 100. Maybe I think I'm in the top 50 overall out of like 10,000 people. And so, uh, and I had, a, I had a miscue this week. So mad. But anyways... Um, I don't even know how to set my lineup. I don't even know who's going to be good. Chase Elliott. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to put Chase in there. I've saved him for the road courses. Him and Mark, uh, Martin will be good. I True think. X, yeah. yeah. That's a good but one. But beyond that, you just don't know. Maybe uh, Kurt Busch. Eight top tens in the last 10 road course races, I think.
1: Feels like you do know how to set your lineup. <laughs> I feel You'd like think we I just was did. a broadcasting. <laughs>
0: and kept up with this stuff.
6: <laughs> Next question coming from Dale Wright. Uh, we didn't hear your thoughts on the next-gen car last week on the podcast. What are the things you love? Is there anything you don't like about the car?
0: Well, the car looks like um, a duck a little bit because of the big splitter. Did
6: you say a duck? A duck, a bill. Oh, okay.
0: So um, like, a, like a big hat bill. Um, the splitter is a little bit too big for me. I wish the splitter wasn't as big. Uh, the spoiler's too big. <laughs> Those are the two things that I probably don't like about it. Everything else I like. I like the the shape. I like that it's a little, I don't know, it looks sporty. It looks, looks, uh, the character lines. There is some good brand identity that's key. Like the noses of the cars are um, even more recognizable, I think, than what we have currently. You know, the back of the car, all of those, all the cars really look similar in the back, and I wish there was some, I wish there was a little more, difference between the models um from the middle of the door back there's some there's not a lot of variance there but um you know that when you start doing that to the cars they that changes the properties and the downforce and drag and and you don't want to give somebody too clear of an advantage but yeah I, i'm pretty excited about it i'm i'm just uh just ready for them to start racing and uh the bigger tire i don't know how all that's going to work out you know the bigger tire and, wider tire and, and Independent rear suspension and rack steering, and uh, the way they're going to adjust on this car and make it handle the things they can change versus that you know the things that they can change suspension wise that weren't even part of the uh, the current car. It's going to be a big learning process for all of us, right? You know, just wanting to be able to understand the car as much as I can so I can do a good job in the booth.
6: Next question coming from Jesse Rose: If you hadn't have won the 2014 Daytona 500, would you have still joined Twitter? Because that was her
0: first tweet. Eventually, I, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe the next time I want to race. <laughs> um, I needed a reason, right? We, get, we would get invited to uh, late night TV shows just because we were coming to Fontana. Remember that? Yeah. Anytime we were going like to Phoenix, Fontana, PR, whether it's our own PR or NASCAR, would be like, hey, man, they want you on this, this late night TV show. And I'm like, well, why? And it was because you're going to be in town. I'm like, but we didn't do anything. Like people that go on those shows are either releasing a new movie, writing a book, uh, they've won some big sporting event, right? They don't just show up uh, to hang out. And I was like, I don't want to go on any of those shows unless I've accomplished something, right? And that was the kind of same way I felt about Twitter. I wasn't just going to pop on Twitter on a regular win- on a normal Wednesday night and be like, Hey, <laughs> hey guess what? I'm going to join Twitter tonight. You know, it just would make no sense. So I needed a reason. <laughs> Does that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Not, not really. really. <laughs> I
1: mean, All right,
5: I think it mind. makes sense.
1: That esteemed list of Twitter users. Yeah, I could see how you would feel compelled to be, want to accomplish something in your life before you go on such a platform. Where
0: uh, I just didn't <laughs> want to do it out of the clear blue sky. Had ne- needed a
3: purpose. Grand entrance. Yes, I suppose. <laughs>
6: <laughs> All right. Next question from Jonathan Evans: Are the in-car cameras installed by the teams or by the TV networks at the track? How do they do that?
0: It's a bit of a joint effort, but the T V networks do a lot of the work. And uh I you know, every t- when I think about this, I think about this funny little story. Way back when Direct TV was uh, part of the uh TV package, they had these dedicated channels to each driver, right? So I would have my own channel or and four other drivers would have their own channel and you could buy those. Uh you bought them in a package, then you got to watch that if your favorite driver, you know. You would watch his in-car, you would watch a bit a split screen of the actual race action, and you had dedicated broadcasters calling the race about that particular driver. Phil Parsons and Rick Allen calling the truck series team, at, uh, broadcast team at that point, calling a race for me at Talladega or somewhere, right? And it was really cool. Felt special. But in my head, I'm thinking, they must be making a lot of money. This is like pay-per-view boxing. There's millions of dollars on the line here, and I hadn't heard, I hadn't seen a contract. I hadn't heard, nobody's put anything across the desk in front of me. I'm not getting my cut, Hmm. and so (laughs) I got in the car, knowing I think it was a Talladega race. I got in the car and um, intentionally removed the camera from the interior of the car, (laughs) in in rebellious some sort. You know, it was real, it was a real jerk thing to do. I know, Um, but yeah, I took the I took that camera right when I got in the car. As the race was getting ready to start, I took the camera and removed it because I was mad. That, Dang. yeah. As, 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 <laughs> that's as, what,
1: That's when that idea went away, by the way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I thought you were about to tell another in-car story. Did, well, didn't something happen, this is before I started working with you, but Pops at Sonoma, so, something happened with your in-car camera, and it was before people were really using in-car cameras, and the TV network put it on your car, and it, I think it either like burnt a, a cable or something. Yeah, we
0: had a failure. You right? had a
1: failure or something, and it was attributed to the camera. Yeah. and Pop said never
0: again. Yeah, we putting these dang cameras on our car. So, also the other thing that happens quite often with the cameras is they—you get in the car at the shop, you get the mirror the way you want it, so you can see everything the corner that corner of the car and that much of the. Th- you get the mirror; it's you get it perfect, right? Because that's your only way to really tell what's going on around you. They come in, the TV guys come in, and will mount that roof cam at the racetrack and move your mirror. And you'll get in there for the race, because they mount the cameras the day, the, the day before the race. They, you're, so you practice without them and all that. And then you get in there and you're like, who <laughs> touched my mirror? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're so mad. And then you got to, you know, you're on the starting grid, like getting your mirror where you want it, and uh, that always ticked me off. So anytime we were going to have a camera, I'm like, I'm talking to my interior. I'm like, don't let them move the mirror. <laughs> don't let them move it. And I'll get in there, and it'll be moved. <laughs> like I told you, and he's like, well, they couldn't get it in.
1: Andy Jeffers does a nice job. He does. We should just say that <laughs> Andy. Je- like, like, all this stuff is now up. that I'm in broadcasting, <laughs> right. I've gotten to know
0: the people that do the work, and it's 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 pretty cool, um, and they're great people. I stopped, running, uh, I stopped running the in-car cameras at the road courses, though, because they affected the balance of the car. Whoa. Absolutely. Really? We we had a little run there at Watkins Glen where we were a top five car. Yeah. And we came back one weekend, and uh, the car was really fast in Friday practice. And then in Saturday practice, they'd put the camera in, and the car wasn't as good. We went from, like, being a sixth-place car to about a 12th-place car. And I told Tony Jr. soon, I said, it's the camera. It's all that weight that's – now, because they had to... When they put all the camera in, they got to take the weight out of the car somewhere, right? So it comes out of the frame rails. So now all that weight's moved from the low, low to the ground up high wherever the cameras and stuff's mounted. I was like, you got to get this stuff out of here, please. And so we had to go to the sponsor and beg them. Like, please let us take this out. You've paid all this money for it, but we feel like we're not handling as well. And so we took it out and the car went back to going fast. Hmm. But we had to convince Budweiser, I think, to let us take it out. So there you go, a little... And car camera stuff. (laughs) One more?
6: Yeah, we do one more. Uh, Todd Burke, has Isla said her first bad word?
0: Well, depends on what you think a bad word is, she hasn't said a cuss word yet, but she'll say darn, dang, things like that, which her mama would prefer her not to be saying (laughs) just yet. (laughs) But I mean, it's coming, so I don't care.
1: There's a a point when you'll prefer those words all day long (laughs) over when she knows what her options are.
0: (laughs) I'm of the mind that it's going to happen eventually, so I don't really worry about it if it's happening now. I don't want her saying cuss words. I'm going to be disappointed when that happens, but darn and dang and, and stuff like that don't really bother me now as much as it bothers Amy. Amy would prefer to push it off as far as she can, right? And um, I'm like, it's, she's going to get there eventually, so what's <laughs> the point? <laughs> all right, that's all for today. All right, everybody, appreciate it. Ask Junior was great. A lot of good questions. I had fun. Hope you guys did too. Uh, Mike told you about the guests we got coming up. We got a lot of steam coming for this podcast uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, But appreciate you guys uh, supporting us, sending in these awesome questions. Well, that brings us to an end of Ask Junior. It always seems to end way too quickly. That's true. It always does uh, seem
1: to go quickly, but not nearly as fast as Xfinity X5.
0: Well, Xfinity X5 is fast, but it's more than that. It's also reliable and powerful, meaning that everyone can do more of what they love with faster internet listen everybody with xfinity x5
1: X-Fi, you can do more of what you love with faster internet exactly what, what dale just jr said, just yeah. said you and your crew can stay connected with wi-fi coverage that delivers the speed your devices need and remember send your ask junior questions to at xfinity racing on twitter
0: thanks to xfinity proud premier partner of nascar All right, it's last call. Thanks Andy Petrie for joining us and uh, giving us so much great content. We could split this thing into two and give you two parts. Um it also gives us a week off. When are we going to take our vacation day, man? It's
1: coming up. All right. We got two in a row.
0: So um yeah, that is the bonus. Like so you know, we sit down and do these podcasts. We just start having a conversation and then I think once we get up from the table, we go eh, that's definitely something we got to split into two parts. And it yeah. rarely happens. It doesn't happen every week. That also would afford us opportunity to take a vacation and and do something where our wives are like, oh, you get a Tuesday off. That's nice. That's right. They like that. But <laughs> hey, here's the thing. Next week we are
1: uh,
0: we should go ahead. Should we
1: go ahead and say who is going to be our guest on the show? Because it's Ty Norris at DEI. Oh my gosh! And
0: yes, uh, we got a show for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes,
1: we do. Yeah,
0: you're not going to want to miss that. Ty was a uh, Ty was kind of the GM at at DEI when. Uh, throughout all the early years of the BUD team and the whole development of DEI. He was there f- actually f- from the mid-90s uh, helping Dad build that team. He goes into some pretty incredible stories. I can't wait to hear it. We've got a lot of great things to discuss. So you're not going to want to miss that for sure. That one's going to sneak up on you. Trust me.
1: <laughs> it's going to sneak up yeah. on you even if you're expecting it. Yes, uh, right. He doesn't leave anything off the table. He brings I'm it all, like, Okay,
0: okay, <laughs> they get it.
1: What I want to talk about is Ty. <laughs> Ty has a lot to say. <laughs> All right, what do you want to? Th- he he should yeah, finish I, last call, but we'll on. wrap it up by talking about Ty some more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably a good idea.
0: Like tie the <laughs> up. And get on with Light it. Up.
3: <laughs> oh
0: my! I did an interview. I did an interview for the artist and the athlete. It's a great podcast that's been out this year, and uh, lucky for me, um, I was able to team up with Darius Rucker. I was a huge fan of Hootie and the Blowfish, and got to become even a bigger fan. I think after they split up, they came back and and played a concert tour about a year or two ago. I was lucky enough to go see that, and it was amazing. And I've also become a fan of Darius's uh, solo career. So there's a lot of he's you know been around. I've seen him for years, right, hanging out with Michael Waltrip, and it jimmy johnson's uh functions and so forth so i've met him before but i've just never been able to sit down and talk to him and it was uh it was an opportunity to do that so the artist and the athlete podcast is a great i took a trip to nashville to do that so you can go listen to that artist and the athlete podcast now this friday i'm going to amelia island mm. in florida for a chevrolet appearance i'll be on the chevy thunder panel along with ray evernham Certainly looking forward to that. Ray's called me, making sure that we're going to have a great conversation, and he's got all his questions in order. He's very buttoned up, so Ray's going to be leading that panel and uh, looking forward to doing that. Amelia Island sounds like an awesome place. Yeah, I think anywhere in Florida is pretty awesome. Right, Mike? Uh, Amelia Island is very nice. Yeah. The Dell Jr. Download on NBCSN is Thursday at 5.30 Eastern time. Thursday at 5.30, the Dell Jr. Download, the TV version. Make sure you listen to the entire podcast, though, while you're listening to it now. So you know that it's a little bit more thorough than mm-hmm. our TV version. Tell your friends. A new episode of Door Bumper Clear after Dover is out now. So when I read these in the in the last call each week, it's so weird that I think y'all refer to it as after Dover or after Pocono or after whatever race just happened. I mean, I, I don't
1: think there's any logic think, to it.
0: It's just, I think it's weird. Well, now we know. <laughs> A new episode of Door Bumper Clear after work. A new, door, a new episode of Door Bumper Clear after lunch. <laughs> that's,
1: the, that's the next podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Door Bumper Clear after lunch. It, but, and all jokes aside, it's a great episode this week, but not um, because it's after Dover.
0: A new episode of Door Bumper Clear after I run to Target. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make sense? I mean
1: I, I mean, I it's a, it's what what's funny is how much thought you're putting into this yeah. with two words that really just are just throwaways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're missing the bigger question, and the bigger question is: Does Door Bumper Clear promote our show on their podcast, Jason Schultz, the way we are doing for them? Oh no, they just bash it.
0: We okay. talk about this, and he affirms that they bash it. It's TJ. You gotta but call. It's a, this is it's,
3: producer. It's this. TJ led, so we need to have a conversation with TJ. They're,
0: uh-huh. They they listen. They need our help. Do they? All right, we we're 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 big enough. Okay, we're we're solid enough they and need, successful enough to lend a help to the little man.
6: They need more than our help.
0: The,
1: the, does TJ, <laughs> when he bashes us, does he at least go after Dover? They suck. No, he they just suck, says they after suck it every week. Every I, week, they just say it every week.
0: TJ, Brett, and Freddie are joined by Chris Rice of Collie Gracing. Chris is well respected in the garage area and has a long history in this sport. Mm-hmm. I met Chris. Or new, uh, I don't know if I met him, but I saw Chris for the first time. He was crew chief in Elliott Sadler's late model car in two thousand or nineteen ninety five. Oh wow! Racing at Myrtle Beach.
1: He yeah, has been in a while.
0: Yeah, he's been in a long time. They get into the details about the next gen car. I'm sure Chris is learning all about that. If colleagues going racing in the Cup Series. They talk about Hendrick Motorsports domination on Sat on Sunday, where they finished one, two, three, and four, and what Denny Hamlin said about the twenty three team on the radio during the race. I wonder what he did say. Well,
1: I don't know, but I do know that Chris Rice had a lot of great things to say about Josh Berry. I thought that was very, uh, very cool. Yeah.
0: Door bumper clear after my dentist appointment. <laughs> Available on all major podcast platforms. All right, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. We'll see you next week. of bad was bad It was made by bad-ashery. Dirty Mo Media.
5: Dirty Mo!